we're hot. And we're back again. Look at this, two in a row. Uh, for this one, we are kind of diving into archery online. Um, I don't know what it is lately, but I have seen so much negativity in like the online archery world. It's, it's like frankly a little bit disgusting. Um, and it's like everywhere, right? Not just hate towards local shops that don't know what they're doing. Hate towards influencers that like are idiots or don't know what they're doing or sellouts and hate towards every bow manufacturer and every arrow manufacturer and all this stuff and like I don't know what the heck is going on but like archery is awesome right now and I don't understand where the hate is like like there isn't a manufacturer out there who makes bad bows they make some bows are better than others but I think it all comes down to what you're trying to do with it um, and I understand like being a fanboy for a brand like I get that but like I don't understand why one guy that shoots one brand that has their flagship and then somebody else asks about another brand's flagship and like their response is it's junk and I'm like uh, I mean if he was asking about a 10 year old infinite edge but even those bows aren't junk they eh, they're a pain <laughs> but they work right if you're just just getting in and like because i think a lot of people read this like i got archery talk pulled up here so we're going to dive into that in a little bit but i think a lot of people read this those comments and it just turns people off to archery and i mean at the end of the day the way to get a niche hobby bigger and more important and have more money in the sport is to get more people doing it you know, it's outside sponsors and all this stuff for events and 3D shoots. And, you know, there's, you know, and it's supporting those local shops and building those relationships. Because, like, when you walk in the door here, my goal is to treat you like one of my buddies walking in the door, right? But if you come in standoffish and pretending you know everything because you've read it on Archery Talk or watched a YouTube video about whatever... And that we don't know what we're doing. And, that, and honestly, we've never had anybody come in and tell us we don't know what we're doing. But it's like, I think you got to be very upfront with your expectations of service. And I mean, I think a lot of it boils down to us, too. It's like we need to be very upfront in our expectations financially from you to provide said level of service. Because, um, you, you know, around here, it's like most people... 75 80% of people that come into the shop just want a bow to shoot or just a bow to hunt with and they don't really know what they want what they need so they're you know very open to suggestions and that kind of stuff and that's great but then once they get started they go home and they like oh, start googling stuff on YouTube stuff on archery talk stuff on you know various Facebook groups whatever and they're like well I didn't have my bow tuned to my hand. I didn't, you know, my arrows weren't spine indexed and squared and, you know, all these other things, right? And it's like, yeah, that stuff kind of matters. I mean, this much, right? But if you don't understand it, I think you can 
get a bad taste in your mouth for your experience, right? And, it, and, and it's like all in hindsight, right? Like you could be the happiest guy in the world walking out the door, but then two weeks later, some guy online is telling you that you don't know what you're talking about and you're the guys that set up your bow. So that's kind of what we're gonna like explore a little bit today. And like I said, I've got archery talk pulled up. I've got some Facebook groups pulled up on my phone here. Um, and we're just gonna kind of approach it from a business and from a, you know, guys that spend six to seven days a week in the bow shop behind the counter or shooting arrows, right? And, um, you know, just kind of be honest in what we're seeing and like the direction stuff is going, right? So yeah, that's what we got for you in store today. Um, Pretty much every time I see, and actually I'm looking at one right now that I would love to attack. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at, we're looking at Archery Talk forums here. Third one down. Don't let me forget. I want to. Okay. Okay. That, that brings me to a good, uh, something to say. It, it seems like everybody that's spewing hate out of their mouths or is super polarized in one direction, that all comes from one thing, uh, in, in my opinion, which is a lack of information. So it's these people who have just the slightest glimpse of what's going on through somebody's perspective or something like that and their lack of understanding the confusion that they have about something uh triggers this response where they could either you know be humble or be um that guy that mouths off online or blowhard exactly so it, it's for me it's a lack of information anytime uh there's been an issue with a customer uh and i just want to say this i am blessed with the customers that we have here they're all fantastic. I, uh, being open for three years here, I've had like one or two customers that have just been completely unreasonable. Um, and that's, that's incredible. Like that's yeah. something that I love being able to tell my employees is like, hey, if you're gonna have any kind of like bad interactions with customers, just pass them off to me. And they look at me like kind of scared and it's like, but it never happens. It literally yeah. almost never ever happens. Um, so, but when, when those situations did happen, it was because there was a lack of information. I knew something that they didn't know or they knew something that they, you know, just that there was some kind of confusion there. It wasn't because of a straight up F you from one person to another. And that's what, that's what I see. Like, I don't go online much, so I don't read the forums. I do. But Joe, like, he's like my mediator. He kind of like tells me about the stuff that's going on. And it's so clear the perspectives that these people are missing when they're going just, ah, you need a 750 grain arrow. And, and then there's the other people who I used to be one of them because I didn't really look into it much. What are you doing with a 750 grain arrow? You're an idiot. You know, I, I used to be like that because I didn't see the other side. So never take anybody's, ever take anybody's opinion and make that your belief. Yeah, if anybody tells you there's only one way to do something, they're, they're, from a, they, they're coming from an angle, right? So, like, I think a little bit of take everything with like a grain of salt that comes from right it's just the, uh, archery is such a dynamic thing that you can kill deer a lot of different ways and you know i think a lot of those heavy arrow haters and lovers have had an experience right like you see it all day you can just kind of thumb through stuff right and it's like I shoot a 300 grain arrow out of a 60 pound bow and I've killed 7 million deer in my history and then one guy's 
like, well, I shot a deer in the shoulder and it didn't die, so I have to shoot X. You know, I need a certain amount of weight, right? And, like, from his perspective, he's right. If you do shoot deer in the shoulder, you need more weight, you know, draw weight and arrow weight. But I think you're preparing yourself for certain limitations in your setups. Um, you know, there's not a lot of bone that's hard on a whitetail that you can't get through with most setups on the market. But, you know, if you're preparing yourself to hit, you know, a little tiny area of shoulder bone and get through that, that's great. And if you are totally okay with your trajectory, I, I mean, I've, I've done the heavy arrow thing. Like, I don't see anything wrong with the setup. But I feel like you need to know the level of work it takes to get that arrow right for your bow. You know, you need to know the proper spine of your arrow when you're going to add that much weight to the front. You need to know how to tune a bow to shoot that heavy of an arrow properly. And, like, it's not substantially more work, but it is more work. And it's not just... I'm going to put a 200 grain broadhead on my arrow that I already have and go hunting like that. You know, it's just, you need to understand, you know, and I mean, that's where I do think the Ranch Ferry does a good job of like explaining some of the tuning methods that you have to use when you do that. But I feel like a lot of people just, they see the end result and that's what they want. They don't see you know, they see the tip of the iceberg sticking out of the water and they think that's all there is, you know, when there's all that iceberg below the water. So, so I think what it comes down to is you, there's, and I don't think there's anything wrong with being uninformed. Like a lot of you guys, probably the majority of you guys don't have the time that we do to put into this stuff or yeah. the time that Aaron Snyder does or even Ranch Ferry or whoever. Don't try to, don't be a voice online if you're misinformed. You know, you, yeah. you got to be in that state where you've tested a lot of things to where your opinion has value. It's like everybody, you know, everybody that can access WebMD is telling you what's wrong with you when you got a cough. You're dying. It, That's it, the end result. It's like just just calm down. Know when your, inform, your input is valuable before you even open your mouth. Because there's a lot of times where I have certain in, inclinations with customers where I don't believe what they're saying, but I'm not confident enough in whatever, you know, is thinking. So I just kind of stay out of like, hey, that's your opinion, you know, that that's, go ahead. I don't believe that's the, the right answer, but step out. Know when, you, know when your opinion has value. If, if it doesn't have value, shoot, I don't think anybody's looked at hate online and just had their their world shifted. Like, oh, wow, that guy's, yeah. that guy's actually really right. I'm, I'm such an idiot. I can't believe how much of an idiot I was for posting this. Like, thank you, you know. Matthew's boy 779 or whatever your username is yeah and I, there's nothing wrong with like if somebody asks a question giving your your thoughts and your information from your point of view but I think there needs to be a little bit more understanding in the world with like hey this has worked for me and I've had good luck doing this but just then the realization that like for your situation it has worked and not for everybody else's situation like i would never in a million years send somebody mule deer hunting or elk hunting with a big giant heavy arrow in like a somewhat open area but like 
if you're hunting, you know, pigs or whitetail or something where you're going to get those close shots and, you know, you're going to, you know, you could get 60 to maybe 70 yards. Like, if you're okay with that, that's cool. Like, go for it. If you, if you've practiced enough at pin gapping to like understand where that arrow is going to hit in those big giant gaps that you're going to have with a heavy arrow or, you know, from, I mean, and we just keep saying heavy arrow topic, but like, there's such a punching bag. Yeah. I feel bad for the guy. Um, so like just basically the the moral of this whole podcast video, everything here is going to be just like, take a step back and like, think about what you're reading before you comment. Cause there's been times where I've typed out this very, you know, long explanation of like guys having a tuning issue or something or, you know, whatever. And it's like, and then some other guy will write, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And I'm just like, <laughs> what? Like, I, I've set up, I don't know how many bows in the last couple of years and like how many arrow setups I've built for people. And like, I mean, most of the guys have had amazing results. Like I've never had anybody come in and be like, oh, this is all crazy. Um, so, you know, I think a lot of it, a lot of this episode and, you know, whatever here is going to be kind of lean towards trying to just dive into a couple of those topics and talk about it a little bit more and give you guys a little bit more information when it comes to how and why we have these opinions and how we formulated them over our, you know, however many combined years of like shooting bows and, you know, being in a shop so we can, we see not only our setups, but like every customer setup we touch, you know, we shoot it, we, you know, we're tuning them and, you know where this is coming from when we kind of like try to give you guys some advice and uh then when you read stuff online that is a little different and that's fine too because everybody's different yep just like everything else you're trying to learn eat the meat and spit out the bones let no one person be the ultimate of your archery experience you don't want to be a sheep you don't want to be an echo you want to be a voice so yeah even what we're saying eat the meat spit out the bones yeah, and I will be the first to admit, you know, there's a good bit of my information. I've pulled, cherry, you know, I've cherry-picked from different people online, you know, like all of Aaron Snyder's stuff. Like, I agree, I would say a large portion of his stuff, I think, is pretty spot-on, honestly. Like, he just put out his podcast on KafaruCast about the his arrow choices, you know, for this year. And, you know, at the end of the day, his pick for the best arrow ever is the axis five mil and i'm like yeah i have no arguments with that i mean i half of my bows i run those through so it's like you know him you got john dudley giving great information out there on form and execution and that kind of stuff and you know a lot of that stuff out there the information is there if you can weed you know weed through some of the nonsense right and i think that's kind of our position on everything is like just stick in the middle of the road like the bell curve of archery is so wide of like what will work depending and then where on the bell curve you want to be is based on your situation so like you know we can talk about you know arrow weight which kind of we've already beat to death and like hey (laughs) i want to talk about that for another like mid four episodes mid fours you're probably pretty (laughs) solid you know let's just start let's just go there right and then the next thing that we probably deal with the most is like tuning a bow to your hand and that's like another big sticking point that like you see 
everywhere. Like your bow's got to be tuned to your hand. Your bow's got to be tuned to your hand. And I feel like that's kind of like Luke's little baby. So I'm going to let him go into that one. Yeah, okay. And don't let me forget that number yeah, three I, right I, there. I, yeah. That's why I'm not moving it. All right. So as far as tuning to your hand, um, do I think that you should tune your bow to your hand? Yes. Yes, I do. Um, do I wish that I could offer that service to everybody that comes in for a tune? Yeah, that would be nice. That, that would be really nice just to make sure everybody's set up, dialed in. Um, ideally, that's what I want. Um, from a business standpoint, is it possible to tune everybody's bow to their hand? I'm not speaking for every shop out there. I'm, I'm certainly not speaking for every shop out there, so don't take this video and go bring it into any other pro shop and tell them how they should do their job. Mm -mm. This is from my experience, what we can do here with the volume of bows and people that we see here. I have two different times of year, busy and slow. There's really no in between. I can't change my policies just because it's slow, sometimes it's busy. Sometimes we'll have a slow season and there'll, and there'll, have, there'll be a busy day out of nowhere. So my point in that being is I gotta stay consistent from a business standpoint. If you drop off your bow to be tuned, I do not tune it to your hand anymore. Now hold on, because there's, there's gonna be an exception to that. Because of the amount of grip issues that I see with people. All of a sudden, what takes me, so, so basically what it looks like when you drop your bow off to me to tune it, um, it's gonna be my hand, Joe's hand, you know, somebody's hand, we'll try to get somebody that's the same draw length as you so it's not in any kind of funky, you know, like weird contorting stuff that they have to go with. Even then, I've seen Dudley tune he tunes everybody's <laughs> Joe bows. Rogan's yeah, bow, yeah. so. Um, anyway, what the purpose of this tune is, is to correct correct cam lean, to correct cam timing, to make sure that your, your drop is functioning properly, that you're not getting fletching contact, that the bow is shooting generally well. And this eliminates problems that you'll see, like some bows come out of the factory with weak limbs. Some bows come out of the factory, you know, like there, there's a lot of things that could be wrong. You could be an eighth inch off on your drop away cable as far as like a, like a QAD or something like that and all of a sudden you're getting fletching contact and your aeroplay is an absolute nightmare. So that's what the general drop off tune looks like. Um, back in the day at the first shop I started with, every bow was tuned to your hand. That turned into a horrible situation. Now, that being said, know your pro shop. Know, so like, for example, don't apply this to anybody else. If you are familiar with how we do things here, and you're a familiar face, and you come in on a slow day, or even if you're a stranger and you're just a good dude, and we're dead slow, and you want your bow tuned, sometimes I'm gonna tune it right there and I'm gonna let you put it in your hand. Yeah. But when it's busy, I have had this turn into a, like an hour-long grip lesson. Now, mm. most of the time you can fix somebody's grip in, in five, 10 minutes. Most of the time it's, it's really not bad. But then you get the guys where, where you see 10 things that you would change as to why they're getting a bad paper tear. Their grip's bad. They're, they got enough facial pressure to, you know, like rip their nose off. They got, you know, they're way out of alignment, so their body's already putting weird pressure on the bow. Like, th th that's the reason why I can't generally tune people's bows to their hand. Now, 
like I said, I think everybody should have their bow tuned to their hand. That's where we have appointments. So know what you're coming in here for. And like I said, most people go with the standard drop-off tune and it works for most people. Yeah. Yeah, like if you're shooting a mechanical broadhead around here and you're shooting a standard 60, 70 pound bow with like hunters or axis or something like that, you're gonna be fine. The thing that comes into it is like when you wanna shoot a big wide fixed blade or you wanna shoot a heavy arrow, you wanna shoot a super light fast arrow, you, I mean, you get out of the bell curve, stuff gets squirrely. And I think that's where you need to have, you need to be armed with more information and more skill the further out of the bell curve you go. Be ready to, and I'm not saying this because I want, I want your money. We're a business, we need to make money. Be ready to put some extra investment into that. Yeah. If you are outside of the bell curve, you wanna do something weird, don't expect standard service. Set up, if your shop lets you do appointments, set up an appointment. Make sure your intentions are clear to them. Because mm -hmm. a lot of what we experience here on a daily basis is miscommunication because mm -hmm. the terms are different or like we know, you know, like anything like that. So like, all right, for example, this one guy came in, he said he wanted to move his peep sight higher um, before even working with him. And this is not something I would have done when I first started working with customers. I would have moved his peep height up and I would have just gone right to it. But in this case, I asked him, I'm like, okay, well, why do you want to move your peep sight up? And he, he said that he, you know, it got down to the issue of he wasn't grouping. And he thought that he watched this one video online and if he adjusted his peep sight or if he adjusted his anchor point, um, then he was gonna group better or something like that. And I was like, okay, well, now that I know what the actual problem is, let me take a look at you and shoot, like have you shoot. And I'm pretty sure, I can't remember. I don't even know if I ended up touching his peep sight, but his alignment was off. Yeah. So he came in for a peep sight to help his accuracy. I fixed his alignment, tr taught him how to use a, a trigger in a surprise release type of way. And he had groups, he told me that his groups were going from average at this to 20 yards to I saw him putting down groups like this. Mm -hmm. So it's be, be ready to put in some time, especially, like I can't stress this enough, go in when they're slow. Yeah, if you, if you have like an odd work schedule and you can get out into the shop during the day and a weekday, oh, you're our favorite customer because we have been bored. So like, yeah, come in, we can spend some time with you and we can get you a little more set up and we have more time to spend with you. Yeah, trigger, tr like tr appeal to the side of the technician that loves archery. We don't like treating people like here, we're, we're at a stage right now where I don't really wanna get any bigger because I don't want to see people go in and out of my doors and not even yeah. know their names, their faces. Uh, just just become familiar with, with your shop, come familiar with us. Like whoever it is, just we wanna know your situation and if you want something out of the ordinary, please, please, please allow for extra involvement on our side. Yeah. And a lot of times it does come with extra costs. Now there's sometimes where I've spent five hours with a guy on a day it doesn't happen anymore with me. Um, it happens with me because I can do that. Yeah, we, especially like a younger kid just getting into it. I, I I'll drop everything to help them. Yeah, and we're not going to bill you for five hours. Yeah, no, that'd be horrible. That's actually something that I stress to everybody that works here. Is like, if if we're slow on a day and you feel like dumping five hours of your time into a guy that comes in that's struggling to do whatever. Yeah. If somebody comes in to cut arrows, okay, stop with that guy for a sec. Go cut arrows. Come back. Help this guy. Yeah. Um, and we're not gonna like we're, we're we're very reasonable with with what we end up billing you for. Yeah. A lot of times I'm too nice with it, 
Um, it happens. But yeah, just, just know that if you want to go to the extremes, use your pro shop. And you know, if you got a guy that's, use your judgment, use your discernment. If somebody's telling you this is the way to do it, this is the only way to do it, that's one thing. You know, that's not a great guy to listen to. But then if you go to a guy that's like doing a pro shop, like if somebody came in to me and said some kind of radical idea that they got online, um, for, for me, that's like bringing your steak to a restaurant and ask them to cook it. Like if you got like this like crazy setup going in your mind, um, crazy gear or whatever it is, if it's something really off the wall and you want to make it work, I can't even think of an example. Most people, okay, yeah, uh, an Oneida, sorry, oh, an Oneida with with a drop away rest or oh, something like oh that. Oh my God, yeah. It's like it's like okay, dude, like I'm not putting my guarantee on this. Like if you want to pay for my time, you can pay for my time, but, um, you know, I'm gonna tell you that I'm not familiar with that, and you're probably not gonna get the best results from me. Yeah, yeah, that's that's an odd one. All right, so can I put a pin in this. I gotta go to the bathroom so bad. Okay, it snuck up on me. Okay, so next little thingy here. Uh, Luke's got something he's got to talk about. Yeah, okay, so would you click on... Yes, so the, the, the title of this forum is called Low Draw Weight Issues on Youth Bear Cruiser G2 Cane Lean Derail Help Needed. What, what poundage are they shooting? What does it say? Factory setting at... 70 oh, as low as it can go yeah settings at 70 i lower the poundage yeah can lean again okay so anyway the reason i want to talk about this one i have something against bare price point bows i'm not against all of them but any of the bows so put this in perspective the cheapest bow setup that i have new here is going to be the elite ember which is 650 for everything that you need on the bow you'd have to buy release and arrows separate from that um there is a reason that is as low as i will go anymore on these bare price point bows even on the pse price point bows and i'm talking like anywhere from like like a 300 dollars bow to like a you know, $500 package, anywhere in there, especially from Bear. I see so many quality control issues from the factory, it's not even funny. Lots of limbs. When they work fine, if you got a Bear Cruiser and you've been killing deer with it and you love the thing, freaking awesome. Enjoy that thing. If you got a Bear Paradox and you love it and you've been killing deer like crazy, enjoy it. That's awesome. When they're good, they're fine bows. They're they're pretty they're pretty yeah. awesome bows for for the, the cost of it. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, so don't you know don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying all bear bows are junk. The quality control that I get from the factory is absolutely reprehensible. If I sold ten bear cruisers, I would probably either have to rebuild them, rebuild, or send back. I don't want to say six of them. It's probably about half and half to where at the very least I'm swapping limbs, I'm reshimming them, 
And when you're talking about a bow that costs $400, you don't have much margin to spare off the top of that. Archery is not a high margin industry. So if I immediately, before even selling this bow, or, or worse, after selling it, okay, thank you for your $400, I appreciate it. Um, let's set this bow up, you set it up and the cam lean's so bad it's gonna derail, then it's like, okay, now this customer doesn't get to walk out with it that day, I immediately have to tear apart their brand new bow, rebuild it, maybe that'll work, maybe it just has a bad limb, so I gotta warranty some limbs, you know, get them back from bear, and most of the time you don't have to send them back. Anyway, it's this whole hoopla, it's this whole thing that you gotta go through, where, in my experience, it has not been worth it to carry anything cheaper than the Elite Ember. The Elite Ember has fantastic quality control. Yeah. Um, it's it's still not it's still not as good as a flagship. You're still going to run into some issues with those. But um, I get a lot of people wondering why is it so expensive, and I, I hate having that huge barrier to entry, mm -hmm. um, which is why I carry used bows. If you're trying to get into archery cheaper. <sighs> It's it's hard to tell you to go online, Cabela's, whatever, get any of like the the four or five hundred dollar bear packages. Especially, do not be shooting those things if you're thirty inches at seventy pounds. Mm. Do not do that. Those mm. things are not. Think about it. You you got to save costs somewhere. If they're saving it, clearly they're saving it in quality quality control because a lot of them just get put out of the factory and they're just they're just not shooting right from the from the get go. Yeah. But then it's like longevity. One, the bows, the bows feel pretty rough at 70. If you're talking about like a cheaper bow, the heavier weight, of course that's just the nature of the beast is that they're not gonna feel quite as good as the flagships. But for me, if I was shooting a bear cruiser, I would shoot that thing, not as light as it could go, but I would shoot that thing from 50 to 60 pounds, not 70 pounds, just because I want those material, I want that those things to last. Yeah, especially like mid hunting season to have a failure is gonna like put a horrible taste in your mouth. Yeah, and strings too. Strings on most bow companies, I don't know if you know this or not, I'm letting the cat out of the bag, uh, strings that come on most bows are pretty bad. Like, they're pretty bad. They're not great on the flagship level, they're really bad on the price point level. So if you're shooting 70 pounds and you got all that energy coming out of the bow, you're gonna wear through those strings so much faster. Um, holy crap, I've never seen worse strings on a bow than like the, the bare mid-price bows. Mm -hmm. I can't remember what that guy, it looked like they served it with dental floss. Or something like that. It was like, like nylon or something. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was not good. It was like, dude, the first thing I would do is put a set of strings on that thing. Yeah. In which case, you're up to the 650 mark anyway. Yeah. So, um, yeah, look at that. And like you said, the used market is there for a reason if you're trying to save money. Like, that's why we try to, like, keep used rotating mod bows in. Um, and granted, here's the thing. If you're, you know, if you're a kid looking to get into it, looking to get your kid into it, yeah, the, that's where those bows shine for me at like low draw weights and like just shooting in the backyard, getting ready to hunt and like all that kind of stuff. Like that's why, to me, that's why those bows exist. Yeah. Like so, if you're pulling adult big poundage, step up, you know, the, the elite terrain, you know, that, that like mid price point $700-ish dollar bow is going to serve you well and last a long time and it, it's going to give you a better experience. It's just like, you know riding bicycles or riding or i don't i don't know what i i know bicycles right because that's what i used to race uh it's like buying a bike from walmart versus you know your local bike store that like makes a quality thing right and uh yeah it's just 
it's never going to work out good. Save money somewhere else. You know, save money on a site. Save money on your arrows starting out. Like, invest in a quality rest and a quality bow that will last you. And I'm not saying you have to buy flagship or even new flagship. You know, Bowtex PSE are notorious for not holding their value in the used market. Like, those bows are out there. Make sure you're ready to, to get into it. This, so, like, there's something that we always used to say, which is, like, buy once, buy once, cry once. Mm-hmm. Let me just, I'll talk about two different experiences that you could have. You come into my shop, or I would say, I mean, from what I hear about most shops, they're going to give you great customer service. You buy an Elite Ember for $650, add $100 worth of, you know, arrows and release, so you're out the door $750. That's, that's no small chunk of change. Mm-hmm. But that's, in my experience, that's it. If, if anything else, any extra costs, you're going to end up... Um, putting, you know, getting six more arrows, that's another 50, 60 bucks, something like that. You spent $750, $800, somewhere in there, and I've seen that last kids many years. I've, oh, yeah. I've seen it last until the first one I've sold, they come in to trade it in years later, get back a decent value on the bow. Um, then you're the other guy who buys a $500 bow online, you come in, you pay for me to set it up, you go shoot, uh, let's say I find out that it has a bad limb, and it's like, okay, I'm keeping your bow for two three weeks until you know they send me some limbs for it i throw the new limbs on all of a sudden we find that your cable has some bad wear on it because you know before when it was shot with the bad cam lean it was rubbing against your cam then i gotta order you strings for it and once i put the new strings on it you find out there's a squeak in your limb pockets after you know x amount of shots Mm -hmm. you might get out the door i mean you might get out the door just fine or you might end up putting 700 dollars into it and having a horrible time shooting archery because every time you get in a groove, something goes wrong with your bow, you gotta leave it at the shop. Yeah. Um, so th- there is, consider those two perspectives. Um, I'm not gonna turn anybody away that comes in with a bear cruiser or anything like that. Um, but yeah, we're gonna do our best to get you go up and running, but understand that it's gonna take a lot sometimes, or it may not. Yeah, that's a, you're, run, you're running the risk. When you buy online, you're running, it's, it's a gamble. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say, Bear, thank you that you are one of the, well, I don't know. I don't know if necessarily thank you, but Bear is one of those companies that will honor a warranty if you buy it online. Um, so that is pretty nice that they do that. They're not going to charge you for a new set of limbs after you bought something online. Yeah. So take that for what it's worth. I don't know if that's a, it's probably a good thing, but um so I just saw that off of Archery Talk. That was the first thing, and immediately that gets me going because everybody's like, why don't you just have any cheaper bows? It's like, because most of the time they don't work. Yeah, they're not worth the amount of work they take to get going. Yep. S- same thing as why I don't pay for tuning it to your hand. It's because mo- like, it's not worth it on the grand scheme of things. Mm-hmm. There's too much time and effort um, to the point where I'd be losing money rather than, than getting money. Yeah, and we offer that in an appointment where you come in and get everything tuned to your hand and we spend the time with you to get it up and running. And those are booked in a way that we can devote the hour to you to get everything perfect. So like, you know, basic drop off tune, then you have your appointment. So that's how we work it here. Um, Next one we probably see the most kind of stuff with would be like arrow tuning, arrow building, that kind of stuff. So again, Normally you come in, you want to buy arrows, we'll pick out your spine of your arrow, we'll know, you know, kind of the length of the arrow you want, we cut the arrow, 
glue the inserts in, you're ready to rock, right? Um, you see some stuff online where people expect arrows to be squared, spine aligned, spine tested, spun on an arrow spinner and cut the best section out of it, right? As part of that process. That's not gonna happen on a walk in the door, like by arrow kind of thing. Like I, I do that to my arrows sometimes. Sometimes I just cut them off and run them. We will square the insert end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That like once we're cut it, we'll we'll just run it through the ASD. Just, yeah, just yeah, yeah. But like a lot of guys are, you know, you read this stuff where guys are like, "All right, I need my arrows shot bare shaft so they can clock, and then I need them fletched in that specific direction. I need, you know, the shaft spun so that we're cutting the straightest section out of it, and like that takes a ridiculous amount of time to do." Um, and I think really if you, like, I feel like that's part of the process for like even a customer to do. Um, you know, it's just like one of those things that like you read all this stuff and it's like, so I've done it. I took out of the box fletched black labels and I've shot them out to a hundred yards. I just literally cut them on the saw, squared the front, glued them up and ran them. And then I took hunters, which are the same arrows squared them both ends cut them did all the you know everything to them didn't really notice a huge huge difference in accuracy so it's just like it's one of those things where it's like you read the stuff online how much does it really matter um you know it's you know to steal an expression from snyder it's you know you're picking flat shit out of chili here um anything on that are you kind of i had something for a second but then i just had a vision of picking flash shit out of shit i just okay all right all right so we're gonna oh yeah okay luke's gonna go i'm gonna scroll for something else i like i'm curious about the fanboy one <laughs> i'm just oh did you see did you already read that one no i missed it It says something about what's up with these archery fanboys i actually oh. know a guy that has a john dudley tattoo on his foot so it's really i know a guy too it's <laughs> so weird <laughs> it just made me curious probably nothing yeah. um find out know your pro shop that's like i can't i can't stress that enough find out what is on and off the reservation what is on and off menu don't assume that they're going to do a bunch of things for you don't assume that they're not going to do a bunch of things for you get to know them figure out where that line is yeah. if you want to go off the reservation if you want to go off the menu you're going to either get denied or incur some some extra cost yeah. so just make sure you keep that in mind on that that just because pro shop guy says this about his pro shop doesn't mean this pro shop guy is going to do that for you so don't go in assuming that every pro shop has the same way of going through business it's just like any other business there's different ways of going about it yeah and basically this guy was just kind of in our boat <laughs> with like seeing all the hate and like fanboys yelling about everything else so yeah that oh. yeah I, I like that guy um do, 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 do. everybody's excited about the ss34 everybody's mad at matthews um oh here we go this this should be good mechanicals versus <laughs> mechanicals versus fixed blades dun, dun, dun. uh yeah, I have lots of opinions on this. I don't know if anybody cares, but I've got them. 
if you look in my hunting compound bow quiver, you will see both. I think if you have your bow tuned right, I think a fixed blade is an awesome option. But I also really like a mechanical. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with either. I mean, newsflash, I, they, here we're killing whitetail. I mean, out west they kill elk with them all the time. It's not a big deal. Understand the limitations of your setup. If you're shooting a fixed blade, you're gonna have a little more room for error. But if you're shooting a big giant mechanical, you're gonna have a lot of room for error the other way. Like if I, if I screw up and I make a bad shot on a deer and it's back, I would much rather have a two inch cut mechanical going through liver and guts, you know, lucking into a cut, right? I mean, granted, I would much rather put a heart shot on every animal I ever shoot from now forward and never have an animal last more than seconds. We don't live in a perfect world, unfortunately. And that's where my issue with a fixed blade comes in when everybody is recommending a one inch cut, two blade fixed broadhead. Because if you put that in a bad place, I think it's gonna just prolong suffering and all that kind of stuff, right? Um, granted, trad bows that we hunt with too, those are all fixed, of course. Um, so yeah, I think there's a time and place for both, depending on where you hunt and how you hunt. Anything? Yeah, I would agree. Um, this this is a pretty, this is especially a lot of like older guys. Like you'll see a lot of older guys be very adamant about fixed blades are the only way to go. Um, and then you'll, you'll, you'll see some people who um, appreciate how fantastic mechanicals are. I, I would say as far as looking at your experiences with broadheads and my experiences of talking to customers with broadheads, stop taking bad shots on deer be patient be disciplined oh my gosh some yeah. of the time and it's funny because you'll you'll be able to walk i've been able to walk customers back before they're like oh, i shot this broadhead and you know it, the penetration sucked and i'm like okay like was the animal alert he's like well you know no it was it was perfectly fine he didn't see me coming or anything like that uh, it was at 30 yards, and then all of a sudden, as the conversation goes, it's, he's at 35 now, then he's at 50, now he's alert and at 50 yards, and he shot him quartering two, but he shot him far back, so right in the shot, like, as soon as you make a bad shot on an animal, don't let that ruin your experience with that head. If you make a bad shot on an animal, now you can, you can, you can test for st stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Like, you, you can test for those fringe shots. But don't plan on making those fringe shots. So, like, for me, and I don't see a lot of people holding to this. The way that I was raised in hunting is that if you don't have a broadside or a quartering away shot with a calm deer, then you don't have a shot. Um, granted, that's that's pretty extreme one way. So if you're if you would argue with me on that, I would say okay, that's fine. There's there's definitely a valid side to that. Like you can take quartering two shots. Um, so I've seen people take full frontals, like stuff like that. Like, those, okay, if, if that's what you want to do, that's what you can do. I have had one failure in my life, and I've killed, I don't know, maybe 100 animals before, like 100 big game animals. My one failure was before I even started working on bows. Um, my knock broke off. I got two inches of penetration on an Impala. And, you know, I was so green, I didn't even know that your knock could be broken. I 
take broadside shots, I take quartering away shots at calm animals, and I have not had any issues with anything. So keep that in mind before you start ragging on fixed blades, mechanicals, anything like that. If you took a marginal shot, don't let that sour your experience one way or the other. Don't be um, second guessing you know, your arrow build, stuff like that. If you take a marginal shot, you know, w within reason. Um, so like I talked to, um, had a great conversation with one of my customers, Mark, the other day. Uh, this dude is a 30 inch draw. He's shot 80 pound bows since he was five or something like that. He's a monster. <laughs> um, but um, pretty sure this dude could walk out like, uh, you know, a 300 pound deer on his shoulders. He believes what I believe as far as you don't have a shot, you know, exactly what I just said. Um, with the exception of sometimes he does take shoulder shots, but he's prepared for those shoulder shots. Um, personally, I'm still like, that's not something I would do. Um, but he has the kinetic energy. He has the experience to know that he's going to be able to get the job done with that. So don't, don't be, especially if you're new, I can see like a lot of people, they see a big buck for the first time in the woods. They're freaking out. They get, they pull their bow back. Just, ah, I got to send an arrow at him. Don't be doing that. You're going to get horrible. You're going to get horrible results that way. You might get lucky, but more than likely you're going to wound an animal. You're going to spend the next three days tracking it. You're going to have that horrible feeling in your stomach. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't really go away. Yeah, I had to pass the biggest deer I've ever had an opportunity to shoot this year because of those situations. I had a mechanical knocked. It was 50 yards. And between me and him, it looked like there was brush in the way. I got to full draw and I'm looking at the brush and thinking about how I could celebrate this amazing trophy that I, you know, biggest deer I've ever seen on the hoof and I'm so excited. And at the end of the day, I let down knowing that I had an opportunity to catch that brush with a mechanical broadhead, flip it open and hit that deer somewhere maybe <clears throat> and hurt it and wound it and then have to deal with the you know my like mental anxiety and like just not not wanting to be in that situation I just let down and just appreciated the deer for what it was and let it walk by um now this is where the uh the guy shooting the heavy arrows it's a little more interesting to me um there's a guy Jared maybe is his first name I can't remember he's uh like Whitetail Solutions Whitetail Addiction I don't one of those like online guys right he has a whatever a youtube channel and stuff and he talks about he shoots a heavy enough arrow with enough weight pull to where it doesn't matter to him which direction the deer is facing he just shoots for the vitals now like i don't know that i would want to test his theory and i haven't watched his videos yet i've bookmarked them and just haven't had a chance to go in and see like what kind of shots he's getting but he likes to hunt from the ground and shoot big deer and it's interesting that's all i'm gonna say like it's interesting so he's you know close shots i want to say his arrow is 700 grains or something like that and he's shooting a single bevel like grizzly stick setup i believe um so if you're prepared you know ethics are yours they're like it's I'm not gonna I'm not here to tell you what to do but like think about before you release an arrow when you're in the woods when you're at that time when you're looking for the deer and waiting for the deer to come through 
think about your possibilities of where a deer could come from, what your shot may be, have a plan in your head and like, be like, if the deer is like this, it's not worth the shot. If the deer is like this, that's a great shot and I know I can make that shot. And like have the confidence in your setup to have the confidence in your shot. That's kind of where I'm at on all this. I think there's a lot of misinformation online and this guy could be, could have horrible information, but I just haven't had time to read his stuff yet. So we'll see. Um, listen to him talk. It was, I mean, I was definitely ears perked up cause I'm like, that would be cool. Um, <laughs> but you know, I don't, I also don't want to deal with the, uh, two day tracking job and having to deal with coyotes getting there first and all that kind of stuff. Right. Cause the end of the day i'd really like the meat in the freezer more than i'd like the the horns on the wall so um so yeah uh that's probably enough of that nonsense uh another one that i don't know why it keeps popping up and it doesn't make sense to me is uh <clears throat> the guy that brings in a or has a 70 pound bow that's pulling 67 pounds and his bow shop telling him they can't do anything about it I don't understand why they can't twist the cables up, which they should be able to do. And like, there's been four, five threads I've seen in the last month about this. Um, so yeah, uh, just twist the cables up. I don't get it. Could you think of a reason why they couldn't get it, the poundage up? Um, so it's not, it's not beyond manufacturers to send lemons to some degree. Yeah. If it's a standard, if, if everything's in spec, I, c I could see a, a less experienced pro shop not wanting to do it because when you throw a bow out of spec, yeah, it can lead to other issues. Um, that being said, just get familiar with them. It's really an easy fix. Yeah. Like, especially if your bow's out of spec, if it's got a long ATA and a short brace and you're low on poundage, oh, that's the solution. Just twist the cables up. Yeah, if they um, looked at your bow and didn't take a tape measure to it and just told you they couldn't do it, that's that's where I'm curious. I don't, like, they, the guy didn't provide any more information about the thing, so I was just, that's, yeah. and I've seen a lot of that, so I'm just kind of curious. Yeah, I mean, so, like, I can only speak for, like, us here, like, that, that's the first thing I would do, is I would check if your bow's in spec, uh, then I would look at your cables and see if, if typically speaking, you can get about three pounds of, of float on your cables before you need to just short string or short cable whatever you got to do mm -hmm. most of the time that's an easy fix and that's the thing like if you go into a shop and you start you know like oh you should be able to do this and the, maybe the guy already did check the spec maybe he was getting with the manufacturer to see if you know they had possibly sent like a, a set of weak limbs because that does happen yeah. too so you know if if everything is fine yeah twist up the cables you'll be able to get those three pounds back but something else could be going on that's the thing with bows there's so many moving parts that you know you never know exactly what the issue is just because it was the solution for this guy doesn't mean the solution for you um but yeah if everything's standard it's an easy fix yeah and that's something you could bring up with your tech i mean if he tells you that you know don't go home and blast the shop online maybe just ask him why you know just be like hey is like is there a reason that we can't do that and then i'm sure hopefully he would have an explanation as to why he couldn't do it right then and there um so yeah, again, here, I feel like we keep harping back to just communication between you and your technician. Yeah, because too, with that, then, so like, for example, if you got a QAD and you come in and your poundage is low and you want me to do it right on the spot and I'm slammed, I'm going to, I'm going to, 
like realistically, I mean, a perfect world, an appointment for everything that would solve everybody's issues yeah. to just set up an appointment. But, but of course, you don't want to spend seventy five dollars for an hour if it's just something quick. In this example, so there's a saying in archery where it's uh, in being an archery technician where if you change anything, you change everything. Mm -hmm. As soon as I cha change your cables, you get your poundage back up, then that QED cord's wrapped around. Um, then I gotta, you know, take it out of the, take it out, gotta put it back in underneath the serving, which probably not a big issue. Yeah, and then it could be a little bit short, so you'd have to replace the cord too, theoretically. Yeah, so, so different stuff can like uncover bigger issues. Like the most popular one that we see here is, hey, can I get a new D-loop? Cut your D-loop off, your center serving is separated, separated as heck. Yeah. Again, if I'm slow, I'm gonna do it right there. If not, I'm gonna want you to drop it off. But so like, so like there's always like little nuances to consider. I'm not saying that they are the rule, but they very well could be the exception to the rule. So, so anytime you change any little thing, especially because when you're changing the length of your cables, then you're gonna change your rest timing. So like I, there, there's always like little things to consider. Um, don't necessarily think the tech's just blowing smoke up your butt to get more money out of you. Because from from what I've seen, that is, uh, you're in the wrong industry if you're in this to just to get make, money out to of make people. money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a good chance whoever's behind the counter loves what they do or loved it at one point and has just been beaten down by yeah. <laughs> by customers the on the internet or whatever. Yeah. So yeah. So tr trust them. Um, yeah, I, I agree. All right, so I've got at least one more but i think this one is going to be like a, a luke rant or tirade another one <laughs> or uh i'm not sure yet so i'm just going to wind them up give them a topic and send them out your guys's way so luke how do you feel about cheap crossbows <laughs> <laughs> um i think they're i think they're absolute garbage and i apologize to you if you have bought one from us uh the first year that we were open uh, I will continue my customer service that I do you know, as best as I possibly can, um, but I will not sell them anymore. I'm talking about anything that costs you anywhere from $300 to $500, more or less, is a cheap compound crossbow. That's fast, especially. Putting out 400 foot a second, putting out 380, putting out high foot per seconds on a cheap crossbow. Um, okay, it, same thing with everything in archery. There's a place for it. If you know what you're getting into, cool. If you are going on an elk hunt and you just blew up your compound and you don't trust yourself to, you know, get a... Okay, shoot, I don't even know. I don't even know if I'd get a cheap crossbow. <laughs> it's so hard to justify this. Let's say it's some less big of a deal thing, like your cousin's coming in from out of town and you guys are going hunting and you just need something quick and you're going to the Whitetail Woods. Yeah. You just bought a three to four year maximum bow. Yeah. Let me say that again. If you spend $400 on a crossbow, that's a lot of money. I'm not saying that's I'm not saying that's chump change. I mean, we, anybody that spends money here, I appreciate it if it's 10 bucks or if it's you know $2,000. You bought a temporary bow. Mm -hmm. If you are putting a so I I was talking to a rep uh, who will remain unnamed who sells these, and when we were speaking, somebody said a cheap crossbow, <coughs> Barnett, on the counter, and we were talking about crossbows, and I told him I'm like I'm a firm believer that I will never sell those ever again. I never sold the Barnetts. Their customer service is not from what I hear. Not I mean from my experience, it's been terrible, but. 
I told him, I'm like, I will never sell those bows again. I will never sell that $400 price point crossbow again. And I'm telling you, I made a lot of money on these bows. I bought 40 of them. I sold 40 of them. Like, yeah. it, it was one of the best, most consistent, quick turnovers possible. Um, timing issues from the factory. Just assume that they're there. Assume that you're going to have to fix the timing on every single one of them. Not a big deal. Um, expect that timing to go out of time after not very many shots because the strings are garbage. Then all of a sudden, the rail is going to start wearing a groove into your arrows. Who's responsible for that? Am I going to bother the manufacturer to send you new arrows? Or with the good customer service that I think that we have here, I'm just going to give you an arrow. And then the next guy an arrow. And then all 50 of these people come in because that's a very common issue with these things. Um, you know, that, that, that's an issue. But then it goes way beyond that. If that was where it stopped, okay, cool. Then you got limb issues where one limb's overpowered. You know, you got the issue of where you shoot out a string. So let me let me put this into perspective. An IBO weighted arrow for a compound bow, if you're shooting a 70 pound compound, is five. 350 grains, which is a very light arrow. They say any manufacturer is gonna tell you that if you're shooting a 300 grain arrow of a 70 pound bow, you voided the warranty because all of that energy has got to go somewhere. If it doesn't go into the arrow, it goes into your strings, your cams, your limbs, your limb pockets, everything, everything on the bow. You take a 200-pound crossbow, a 150-pound crossbow, a 250-pound crossbow, and you're shooting a 500-grain arrow, you are dry firing that every single time that you shoot it, no matter what. You can say, in order to shoot that properly, what is that? Math real quick. 200, 200 times 5, that's 1,000. Nobody's shooting a thousand grain bolt out of a two hundred pound crossbow. Most twenty inch bolts with a <laughs> with a hundred and twenty five grain broadhead are four hundred and forty grains. So know what you're getting into. I I see it. It always happens. You buy that cheap crossbow, you come back all pissed off four years later because the limbs broke, and I'm like, wow, you got four years out of that. That's not mm -hmm. bad. That doesn't mean I'm not going to try to warranty it. So like for example, like I just had somebody come in and do that with the crossbow that they bought off me. Their limbs broke. Um. I was like, okay, cool. Like you got three, four years out of it. I called Bear, got him warrantied, put him back on it. Um, and I'm pretty sure it happened again. Like it, his limbs just cracked again. So it's like, okay, now you need a new string for that thing because clearly the string is not absorbing any of the impact. Anyway, cheap components and high performance do not mix. Yes. If you want a super fast crossbow, go to a Raven, go to a 10 point, go to somebody with good customer service Yeah. because those things, I mean, they're 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 insane. They're, they're bombs. Pretty much, if if something goes the littlest bit wrong, I've seen people shoot the Raven, the you know the crank. It's that carriage that sits down on the rail, comes up. I've seen them be cranking that thing. All of a sudden, the the belt breaks, blows up the whole front end of the bow. <laughs> like stuff like that is just like that. That happens when you're shooting those insanely fast uh, crossbows. I'm a firm believer of the Excalibur brand. I don't carry much crossbows here. I work on crossbows, I know how to do them. They function this, the same as a compound in almost every way. Um, but I, I don't, I will never sell any, I don't know, I don't wanna say I'll never sell the high-end fast crossbows, but. Yeah, cause they are kinda cool. The new, they, they're cool. That, yeah, it's kinda cool. I think they're cool. They're, they're pretty cool. Yeah. But not the cheap ones. Yeah, so that was fun. If you want a cheap crossbow, they're being made from three companies over in China. Mm -hmm. Three different companies, that's it, all of them. I'm talking Carbon Express, Bear, PSE, I'm talking... Um, killer Instinct. Killer, any of those, if they're a cheap crossbow, 
it's a representative from your company going over there being like, I want this stock, I want this riser, I want this, you know, scope. Boom, put it together. There's nothing new and they're not they're not made to last. In my opinion, we should have never evolved past the Hortons. The old Hortons. Dude, those things are they're, are they're amazing. They're awesome 30-yard machines. <laughs> 30 yards and in, they're reliable. I still mm-hmm. see people shooting them with 15-year-old strings. Do not recommend that, by the way. Do not <laughs> replace your strings every four years at a minimum. Um, but, uh, yeah, don't... N- know, know what you're getting into. Um, if you want to spend a lot of, or if you want a really fast bow, be ready to spend a lot of money. If you're okay with just getting something that's going to get you deer within 20, 30 yards, which covers most people, yeah, go to that $700 mark. Get, get an Excalibur, something that's just very simple, very hard to break. Um, something with great customer service. For me, that that seems to be the way to go. So yeah. All right. So I got I got one more, and this has already been probably way, 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 way too long. And I just want to dabble into this one quickly, but it's 2023's the year of basically awesome bows. <clears throat> and we've talked about it a little bit already. Um, and we are coming off our one bow challenge thing. And there are a lot of really cool bows coming out this year. Um, and honestly, not just from the brands we sell, like there's just a lot of cool stuff coming out this year. And I don't know if it's just like maybe the COVID shutdown, like they just had all these ideas stored up and they're just now implementing them. I'm not sure what happened, but like in the past few years, it's been like, nah, there's new bows coming out. Cool. This year it's like, there's new bows coming out rad. Um, the you know a lot of people you know i'll i'll be the first to not be a huge matthews person or a Hoyt person but like if you people are saying like oh they haven't done anything it's the same bow it's the same cam but like they're like taking a refined like once you have a refined product you can only refine it so much um and then like you look at the pse the mach 34 that thing's gonna be Rad! I can't wait till my Mossy Oak 70 comes in PSE. Please, please ship it faster. Um, you know, then we have the Bowtech lineup. Like, and the whole lineup, yeah, the CP30 is basically a CP28, only a little bit bigger. Um, but the 34SS is awesome. Like, I was not excited about that bow till I shot that bow. Like, that long riser, it full draw, it just literally sits there. Like, I'm really excited to get the SX80. And uh, shoot some 3D really far away with that. Um, the Reckoning, the Gen 2 Reckoning, it's my old Reckonings that I've had in the past, only better and more adjustable and more things that I can screw up and not be able to hit a target because I've played with them too many times. Um, like, it's just, everything is cool. Like, the Omnia, like, while I'm not a huge Elite Draw fan person, or Draw Cycle fan person, like, that bow is literally dead. Like, it doesn't make sense that like you can release energy from a fired bow and there not be anything it's like literally the opposite experience of shooting a crossbow um so that's gonna be cool and then elite's other bow that's dropping that they keep you know they're doing the carbon bow thing and it's it's all over the internet so like you can find it um well i haven't seen a picture of it yet i'm excited for that i don't even know why i don't even like elite that much um 
So, yeah, it's going to be an awesome year. Like, I'm going to have so many bows I can't wait to play with. I'm probably not going to shoot any of them very well, but it's going to be awesome. <laughs> I'm with you, man. So this is, where, this is where I wish everybody, most of our customers, just a hunting bow, that's it. I wish so badly target bows were more popular because that Gen 2 Reckoning is the most technologically advanced, amazing piece of machinery that I have ever seen a bow company come out with. As far as tunability, adjustability, fitment, they've literally thought of everything. The little grip adjuster thing. Dude, like... <laughs> Poor Tim Gillingham is not going to be able to go on his next, like, crazy goat hunt or something because they're going to put his grip company out of business. But good thing many people still shoot bow companies that don't do that. Yeah, Like yeah. Matthews and every, you know... Um, holy crap, I can't say enough good things. If you've, if you've been considering getting into Target, get into Target just because of that bow. Learn how to work on your own crap. Sorry, that sounded brutal. <laughs> Learn how to work on your own crap if you're going to get into target shooting. It's a very helpful skill. Yeah. Come to us if you want to learn. Well, that and the verdict. The verdict is, oh, yeah, that that too. Daily verdict. That's true. I didn't give that one enough attention. Because it got it released out. early and it just kind of blew by. Yeah. Yeah. But, oh my gosh, that Reckoning 36, especially even if you're a long draw dude, get that thing for hunting. That is that is the sickest bow oh, I have yeah. ever seen shot in my life. Yeah. Um, it's not a great hunting bow for if you're a shorter guy. I did not like the way it felt on short with short bars. Yeah, but but, but as then, far as I'm not six four, was... so yeah, the carbon one, like the Mach thirty, like dude, there's so much stuff coming now, and I have a feeling PSE is gonna change, drop something else. They normally drop something at ATA. Yeah, they will. So there's just a lot of stuff coming out right now that is awesome. So like. Don't be so negative, man. Embrace all this awesome stuff that we get to play with this time. You know, go to your local shops. Shoot some of this stuff. Um, you know, like, especially on slow days here, if you want to try, you know, even if you don't, you don't, you know, you're so, super happy with your Halon 6 or your NXT or, you know, your Cure or whatever bow you have that you're super happy with, it never hurts to see what's out there, right? A lot of the times it hurts. It, your wallet. It's going to hurt your wallet, yeah. Um, but, you know, you, everybody needs a backup bow, so you keep that cure set up for hunting, and you get a new Omnia, or you get the new Elite Carbon bow, or whatever whatever you like. Or trade it in. Yeah, or trade it in. Put it on our used wall. We like used bows. Um, so, yeah, just quit being so negative. Enjoy all this stuff coming out this year. And uh, we appreciate you guys tuning in and listening, even though I'm sure that was, oh, my God, over an hour of rambling. Was uh, that really? Oh, because I, I took a break. Yeah, I took a pee break. So, uh, so yeah, uh, as you can tell, like, we could do this all day. And, like, if you guys are interested, we can keep doing it. Um, you know, comment, give us questions, like, subscribe, all that nonsense. Um, but, yeah, we're going to, like, really try to pour the, like, fire to the coals this winter with the YouTube and the podcast and just you know give you our point of view like i feel like a very kind of middle of the road guy in the archery world that i'm in um which you know average joe kind of thing right here so hopefully we can uh help explain some stuff and like i said if you have questions about something you've read or seen a video about and you want a little more in-depth explanation i kind of feel like that may be our little niche to kind of like help you a little bit more when you hear a term that you need explained. Yep. Um, anything else?
Yeah, if you're, uh, thank you for your comments on these videos and stuff. I will do my best to get to them. Um, that being said, I'm not gonna, I can't go back and answer all the comments that I've got in our hiatus from YouTube. I saw a bunch of them, I appreciate them, but there's so many that I can't really break them down. Uh, if you got a good comment, I will respond to everything that I possibly can, or I will talk about it in the next video. Yeah. So if you got a genuine question up here, I would say there's no bad questions, but I've seen I've seen bad questions. There's bad questions. So yeah. you know, I'd love to, I'd love to answer it. If you want Joe's opinion on something, I'll, I'll have him swing over the computer and, and respond to it. Um, but I, I it's not my thing. The the reason one of the reasons it's been so long between our YouTube videos is that I'm just not a tech person. Like I, I don't like being on my computer all the time. I don't like constantly scrolling through YouTube just because my personality I'll, I'll go way too into it you know whatever but that's neither here nor there um so be patient with me i'm going to try to answer every everything that i can uh but i do appreciate it keep sending the comments uh it's pretty cool uh just especially the new customers that we've got from the youtube videos that's awesome we've yeah. had some really awesome customers just it's really weird to be coming out of your hunting spot in the dark and talk to a guy and he recognizes your voice that was a little bit weird but it was awesome, so it was appreciated. Yeah, so we appreciate you guys tuning in. Thank you so much uh, for your time, and we will see you next time. Thank you, guys. We're hot. And we're back again. Look at this, two in a row. Uh, for this one, we are kind of diving into archery online. Um, I don't know what it is lately, but I have seen so much negativity in like the online archery world. It's, it's like frankly a little bit disgusting. Um, and it's like everywhere, right? Not just hate towards local shops that don't know what they're doing. Hate towards influencers that like are idiots or don't know what they're doing or sellouts and hate towards every bow manufacturer and every arrow manufacturer and all this stuff and like I don't know what the heck is going on but like archery is awesome right now and I don't understand where the hate is like like there isn't a manufacturer out there who makes bad bows they make some bows are better than others but I think it all comes down to what you're trying to do with it um, and I understand like being a fanboy for a brand like I get that but like I don't understand why one guy that shoots one brand that has their flagship and then somebody else asks about another brand's flagship and like their response is it's junk and I'm like uh, I mean if he was asking about a 10 year old infinite edge but even those bows aren't junk they, eh, they're they a pain, <laughs> but they work, right? If you're just, just getting in and, like, because I think a lot of people read this. Like, I got Archery Talk pulled up here, so we're going to dive into that in a little bit. But I think a lot of people read this, those comments, and it just turns people off to archery. And, I mean, at the end of the day, the way to get a niche hobby bigger and more important and have more money in the sport is to get more people doing it. You know, it's outside sponsors and all this stuff for events and 3D shoots. And, you know, there's, you know, and it's supporting those local shops and building those relationships. Because, like, when you walk in the door here, my goal is to treat you like one of my buddies walking in the door, right? 
But if you come in standoffish and pretending you know everything because uh, you've read it on Archery Talk or watched a YouTube video about whatever and that we don't know what we're doing, and, that, and honestly, we've never had anybody come in and tell us we don't know what we're doing, but it's like, I think you got to be very upfront with your expectations of service, and I mean, I think a lot of what it boils down to us, too, it's like, we need to be very upfront in our expectations financially from you to provide said level of service, because, um, you, you know, around here, it's like, most people, 75, 80% of people that come into the shop just want a bow to shoot or just a bow to hunt with. And they don't really know what they want, what they need. So they're, you know, very open to suggestions and that kind of stuff. And that's great. But then once they get started, they go home and they like, oh, start Googling stuff on YouTube, stuff on Archery Talk, stuff on, you know, various Facebook groups, whatever. And they're like, well, I didn't have my bow tuned to my hand. I didn't, you know, my arrows weren't spine indexed and squared and, you know, all these other things, right? And it's like, yeah, that stuff kind of matters. I mean, this much, right? But if you don't understand it, I think you can get a bad taste in your mouth for your experience, right? And, it, and it's like all in hindsight, right? Like you could be the happiest guy in the world walking out the door, but then two weeks later, some guy online is telling you that you don't know what you're talking about and you're the guys that set up your bow. So that's kind of what we're gonna like explore a little bit today. And like I said, I've got archery talk pulled up. I've got some Facebook groups pulled up on my phone here. Um, and we're just gonna kind of approach it from a business and from a, you know, guys that spend six to seven days a week in the bow shop behind the counter or shooting arrows, right? And, um, you know, just kind of be honest in what we're seeing and like the direction stuff is going, right? So yeah, that's what we got for you in store today. Um, Pretty much every time I see, and actually I'm looking at one right now that I would love to attack. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at, we're looking at Archery Talk forums here. Third one down. Don't let me forget. I want to, Okay. Okay. That, that brings me to a good, uh, something to say. It, it seems like everybody that's spewing hate out of their mouths or is super polarized in one direction, that all comes from one thing, uh, in, in my opinion, which is lack of information. So it's these people who have just the slightest glimpse of what's going on through somebody's perspective or something like that, and their lack of understanding, the confusion that they have about something, uh, triggers this response where they could either you know be humble or be um, that guy that mouths off online. A blowhard. Exactly. So it, it's for me, it's a lack of information. Anytime uh, there's been an issue with a customer, uh, and I just want to say this, I am blessed with the customers that we have here. Yeah. They are all fantastic. I, uh, being open for three years here, I've had like one or two customers that have just been completely unreasonable. Um, and that's, that's incredible. Like that's yeah. something that I love being able to tell my employees is like, hey, if you're going to have any kind of like bad interactions with customers, just pass them off to me. And they look at me like kind of scared and it's like, but it never happens. It literally yeah. almost never, ever happens. Um, so, but when, when those situations did happen, it was because there was a lack of information. I knew something that they didn't know or they knew something that 
the you know just that there was some kind of confusion there it wasn't because of a straight up f you from one person to another and that's what that's what i see like i don't go online much so i don't read the forums i do but joe but he's like my mediator he kind of like tells me about the stuff that's going on and it's so clear the perspectives that these people are missing when they're going just ah you need a 750 grain arrow and and then there's the other people who i used to be one of them because i didn't really look into it much what are you doing with a 750 grain arrow you're an idiot you know i i used to be like that because i didn't see the other side so never take anybody's ever take anybody's opinion and make that your belief yeah if anybody tells you there's only one way to do something they're they're from a, they, they're coming from an angle right so like i think a little bit of take everything with like a grain of salt that comes from right it's just the, archery is such a dynamic thing that you can kill deer a lot of different ways and you know i think a lot of those heavy arrow haters and lovers have had an experience right like you see it all day you can just kind of thumb through stuff right and it's like i shoot a 300 grain arrow out of a 60 pound bow and i've killed seven million deer in my history and then one guy's like well i shot a deer in the shoulder and it didn't die so i have to shoot x you know i need a certain amount of weight right and like from his perspective he's right if you do shoot deer in the shoulder, you need more weight, you know, draw weight and arrow weight. But I think you're preparing yourself for certain limitations in your setups. Um, you know, there's not a lot of bone that's hard on a whitetail that you can't get through with most setups on the market. But, you know, if you're preparing yourself to hit you know a little tiny area of shoulder bone and get through that that's great and if you are totally okay with your trajectory i i mean i've i've done the heavy arrow thing like i don't see anything wrong with the setup but i feel like you need to know the level of work it takes to get that arrow right for your bow you know you need to know the proper spine of your arrow when you're going to add that much weight to the front you need to know how to tune a bow to shoot that heavy of an arrow properly and like it's not substantially more work but it is more work and it's not just i'm going to put a 200 grain broadhead on my arrow that i already have and go hunting like that you know it's just you need to understand you know and i mean that's where i do think the ranch fairy does a good job of like explaining some of the tuning methods that you have to use when you do that but i feel like a lot of people just they see the end result and that's what they want they don't see you know they see the tip of the iceberg sticking out of the water and they think that's all there is you know when there's all that iceberg below the water so so i think what it comes down to is there's and i don't think there's anything wrong with being uninformed like a lot of you guys probably the majority of you guys don't have the time that we do to put into this stuff or yeah. the time that aaron snyder does or even ranch Ferry or whoever don't try to don't be a voice online if you're misinformed you know you, yeah you got to be in that state where you've tested a lot of things to where your opinion has value it's like everybody you know everybody that can access webmd is telling you what's wrong with you when you got a cough you're dying it, that's it, the end result 
it's like just just calm down know when your inform your input is valuable before you even open your mouth because there's a lot of times where i have certain in inclinations with customers where i don't believe what they're saying but i'm not confident enough in whatever you know is thinking so i just kind of stay out like hey that's your opinion you know that that's go ahead i don't believe that's the the right answer but step out know when you know when your opinion has value if, if it doesn't have value shoot i don't think anybody's looked at hate online and just had their their world shifted like oh wow that guy's yeah. that guy's actually really right i'm i'm such an idiot i can't believe how much of an idiot i was for posting this like thank you you know matthew's boy 779 or whatever your username is yeah and I, there's nothing wrong with like if somebody asks a question giving your your thoughts and your information from your point of view but i think there needs to be a little bit more understanding in the world with like hey this has worked for me and i've had good luck doing this but just then the realization that like for your situation it has worked and not for everybody else's situation like i would never in a million years send somebody mule deer hunting or elk hunting with a big giant heavy arrow in like a somewhat open area but like if you're hunting you know pigs or whitetail or something where you're gonna get those close shots and you know you're gonna you know you could get 60 to maybe 70 yards like if you're okay with that that's cool like go for it if you if you've practiced enough at pin gapping to like understand where that arrow is going to hit in those big giant gaps that you're gonna have with a heavy arrow or you know from i mean and we just keep saying heavy arrow topic but like yeah, there's such a punching it, bag yeah i feel bad for the guy um so like just basically the, the moral of this whole podcast video everything here is gonna be just like take a step back and like think about what you're reading before you comment because there's been times where i've typed out this very you know long explanation of like guys having a tuning issue or something or you know whatever and it's like and then some other guy will write that's the dumbest thing i've ever heard and i'm just like <laughs> what like i i've set up i don't know how many bows in the last couple years and like how many arrow setups i've built for people and like i mean most of the guys have had amazing results like i've never had anybody come in and be like oh this is all crazy um so you know i think a lot of it a lot of this episode and you know whatever here is going to be kind of lean towards trying to just dive into a couple of those topics and talk about it a little bit more and give you guys a little bit more information when it comes to how and why we have these opinions and how we formulated them over our you know however many combined years of like shooting bows and you know being in a shop so we can we see not only our setups but like every customer setup we touch you know we shoot it we you know we're tuning them and you know where this is coming from when we kind of like try to give you guys some advice and uh then when you read stuff online that is a little different and that's fine too because everybody's different yep. eat, just like everything else you're trying to learn eat the meat and spit out the bones let yep. no one person be the ultimate of your archery experience you don't want to be a sheep you don't want to be an echo you want to be a voice so yeah even what we're saying eat the meat spit out the bones yeah and i will be the first to admit you know there's a good bit of my information i've pulled cherry you know i've cherry picked from 
different people online, you know, like all of Aaron Snyder's stuff, like I agree, I would say a large portion of his stuff, I think is pretty spot on, honestly. Like he just put out his podcast on Kafarucast about the his arrow choices, you know, for this year. And, you know, at the end of the day, his pick for the best arrow ever is the Axis <clears throat> 5 mil. And I'm like, yeah, I have no arguments with that. I mean, I half of my bows, I run those through. So it's like, you know, him, you got John Dudley giving great information out there on form and execution and that kind of stuff. And, you know, a lot of that stuff out there, the information's there if you can weed, you know, weed through some of the nonsense, right? And I think that's kind of our position on everything is like just stick in the middle of the road like the bell curve of archery is so wide of like what will work depending and then where on the bell curve you want to be is based on your situation so like you know we can talk about you know arrow weight which kind of we've already beat to death and like hey four, <laughs> i want to talk about that for another like mid four episodes mid fours you're probably pretty <laughs> solid you know let's just start let's just go there right and then the next thing that we probably deal with the most is like tuning a bow to your hand and that's like another big sticking point that like you see everywhere like your bow's got to be tuned to your hand your bow's got to be tuned to your hand and I feel like that's kind of like Luke's little baby. So I'm going to let him go into that one. Yeah, okay. And don't let me forget that number three I, right I, I, there. Yeah. That's why I'm not moving it. All right. So as far as tuning to your hand, um, do I think that you should tune your bow to your hand? Yes. Yes, I do. Um, do I wish that I could offer that service to everybody that comes in for a tune? Yeah. That would be nice. That, that would be really nice just to make sure everybody's set up, dialed in. Um, ideally, that's what I want. Um, from a business standpoint, is it possible to tune everybody's bow to their hand? I'm not speaking for every shop out there. I'm, I'm certainly not speaking for every shop out there, so don't take this video and go bring it into any other pro shop and tell them how they should do their job. This is from my experience, what we can do here with the volume of bows and people that we see here. I have two different times of year, busy and slow. There's really no in between. I can't change my policies just because it's slow. Sometimes it's busy. Sometimes we'll have a slow season and there'll, and there'll, have, there'll be a busy day out of nowhere. So my point in that being is I got to stay consistent from a business standpoint. If you drop off your bow to be tuned, I do not tune it to your hand anymore. Now hold on because there's, there's going to be an exception to that. Because of the amount of grip issues that I see with people. All of a sudden, what takes me, so, so basically what it looks like when you drop your bow off to me to tune it, um, it's going to be my hand, Joe's hand, you know, somebody's hand, we'll try to get somebody that's the same draw length as you so it's not any kind of funky you know, like weird contorting stuff that they have to go with. Even then, I've seen Dudley tune he tunes everybody's <laughs> Joe bows. Rogan's yeah, bow. Yeah. So. Um, anyway, what the purpose of this tune is, is to correct correct cam lean, to correct cam timing, to make sure that your, your drop is functioning properly, that you're not getting fletching contact, that the bow is shooting generally well. And this eliminates problems that you'll see 
Like some bows come out of the factory with weak limbs. Some bows come out of the factory, you know, like there, there's a lot of things that could be wrong. You could be an eighth inch off on your drop away cable as far as like a, like a QAD or something like that. And all of a sudden you're getting fletching contact and your aeroflight is an absolute nightmare. So that's what the general drop off tune looks like. Um, back in the day at the first shop I started with, every bow was tuned to your hand. That turned into a horrible situation. Now, that being said, know your pro shop. Know, so like, for example, don't apply this to anybody else. If you are familiar with how we do things here and you're a familiar face and you come in on a slow day, or even if you're a stranger and you're just a good dude and we're dead slow and you want your bow tuned, sometimes I'm gonna tune it right there and I'm gonna let you put it in your hand. Yeah. But when it's busy, I have had this turn into a, like an hour-long grip lesson. Now, mm -hmm. most of the time you can fix somebody's grip in, in five, ten minutes. Most of the time it's, it's really not bad. But then you get the guys where, where you see ten things that you would change as to why they're getting a bad paper tear. Their grip's bad. They're, they got enough facial pressure to, you know, like rip their nose off. They got, you know, they're way out of alignment, so their body's already putting weird pressure on the bow. Like, th th that's the reason why I can't generally tune people's bows to their hand. Now, like I said, I think everybody should have their bow tuned to their hand. That's where we have appointments. So know what you're coming in here for. And like I said, most people go with the standard drop-off tune and it works for most people. Yeah. Yeah, like if you're shooting a mechanical broadhead around here and you're shooting a standard 60, 70 pound bow with like hunters or axis or something like that, you're gonna be fine. The thing that comes into it is like when you want to shoot a big wide fixed blade or you want to shoot a heavy arrow, you want to shoot a super light fast arrow, you, I mean, you get out of the bell curve, stuff gets squirrely. And I think that's where you need to have, you need to be armed with more information and more skill the further out of the bell curve you go. Be ready to, and I'm not saying this because I want, I want your money. We're a business, we need to make money. Be ready to put some extra investment into that. Yeah. If you are outside of the bell curve, you wanna do something weird, don't expect standard service. Set up, if your shop lets you do appointments, set up an appointment. Make sure your intentions are clear to them. Because mm -hmm. a lot of what we experience here on a daily basis is miscommunication because mm -hmm. the terms are different. Or like we know, you know, like, Anything like that. So like, all right, for example, this one guy came in, he said he wanted to move his peep sight higher. Um, before even working with him, and this is not something I would have done when I first started working with customers. I would have moved his peep height up and I would have just gone right to it. But in this case, I asked him, I'm like, okay, well, why do you want to move your peep sight up? And he, he said that he, you know, it got down to the issue with he wasn't grouping. And he thought that he watched this one video online and if he adjusted his peep sight or if he adjusted his anchor point, um, then he was going to group better or something like that. And I was like, okay, well, now that I know what the actual problem is, let me take a look at you and shoot, like have you shoot. And I'm pretty sure, I can't remember. I don't even know if I ended up touching his peep sight, but his alignment was off. Yeah. So he came in for a peep sight to help his accuracy. I fixed his alignment, tr taught him how to use a, a trigger in a surprise release type of way. And he had groups. He told me that his groups were going from average at this to 20 yards. To I saw him putting down groups like this. Mm -hmm. So it's be, be ready to put in some time, especially, like I can't stress this enough, go in when they're slow. 
Yeah, if you if you have like an odd work schedule and you can get out into the shop during the day and a weekday, oh, you're our favorite customer because we have been bored. So like, yeah, come in, we can spend some time with you and we can get you a little more set up and we have more time to spend with you. Yeah, trigger, tr like tr appeal to the side of the technician that loves archery. We don't like treating people like here, we're, we're at a stage right now where I don't really want to get any bigger because I don't want to see people go in and out of my doors and not even yeah. know their names, their faces. Uh, just just become familiar with, with your shop. Come familiar with us. Like whoever it is, just we want to know your situation. And if you want something out of the ordinary, please, please, please allow for extra involvement on our side. Yeah. And a lot of times it does come with extra cost. Now there's sometimes where I've spent five hours with a guy on a day. It doesn't happen anymore with me. Um, it happens with me because I can do that. Yeah, we, especially like a younger kid just getting into it. I, I I'll drop everything to help them. Yeah, and we're not going to bill you for five hours. Yeah, no, that'd be horrible. That's actually something that I stress to everybody that works here. Is like, if if we're slow on a day and you feel like dumping five hours of your time into a guy that comes in that's struggling to do whatever, yeah. if somebody comes in to cut arrows, okay, stop with that guy for a sec, go cut arrows, come back, help this guy. Yeah. Um, and we're not gonna like we're, we're we're very reasonable with with what we end up billing you for. Yeah. A lot of times I'm too nice with it. Um, it happens. But yeah, just just know that if you want to go to the extremes, use your pro shop. And you know if you got a guy that's use your judgment, use yeah. your discernment. If somebody's telling you this is the way to do it, this is the only way to do it. That's one thing. You know that's not a great guy to listen to. But then if you go to a guy that's like doing a pro shop, like if somebody came into me and said some kind of radical idea that they got online, um, for, for me, that's like bringing your steak to a restaurant and ask them to cook it. Like if you got like this like crazy setup going in your mind, um, crazy gear or whatever it is, if it's something really off the wall and you want to make it work, I can't even think of an example. Most people, okay, yeah, uh, an Oneida, sorry, oh, an Oneida with with a drop away rest or oh, something like oh that. Oh my God, yeah. It's like it's like okay, dude, like I'm not putting my guarantee on this. Like if you want to pay for my time, you can pay for my time, but, um, you know, I'm gonna tell you that I'm not familiar with that, and you're probably not gonna get the best results from me. Yeah, yeah, that's that's an odd one. All right, so can I put a pin in this. I gotta go to the bathroom so bad. Okay, it snuck up on me. We're hot. And we're back again. Look at this, two in a row. Uh, for this one, we are kind of diving into archery online. Um, I don't know what it is lately, but I have seen so much negativity in like the online archery world. It's, it's like, frankly, a little bit disgusting. Um, and it's like everywhere, right? Not just hate towards local shops that don't know what they're doing. Hate towards influencers that like are idiots or don't know what they're doing or sellouts. And hate towards every bow manufacturer and every arrow manufacturer and all this stuff. And like, I don't know what the heck is going on, but like archery is awesome right now. And I don't understand where the hate is. Like, like, there isn't a manufacturer out there who makes bad bows. 
they make some bows are better than others, but I think it all comes down to what you're trying to do with it. Um, and I understand like being a fanboy for a brand. Like I get that, but like I don't understand why one guy that shoots one brand that has their flagship and then somebody else asks about another brand's flagship and like their response is it's junk. And I'm like, uh, I mean, if he was asking about a 10 year old infinite edge, but even those bows aren't junk. Hey. They, eh, they're a pain, <laughs> but they work, right? If you're just, just getting in and like, cause I think a lot of people read this, like I got archery talk pulled up here, so we're going to dive into that in a little bit. But I think a lot of people read this, those comments, and it just turns people off to archery. And I mean, at the end of the day, the way to get a niche hobby bigger and more important and have more money in the sport is to get more people doing it. You know, it's outside sponsors and all this stuff for events and 3D shoots. And, you know, there's, you know, and it's supporting those local shops and building those relationships. Because, like, when you walk in the door here, my goal is to treat you like one of my buddies walking in the door, right? But if you come in standoffish and pretending you know everything because you read it on Archery Talk or watched a YouTube video about whatever and that we don't know what we're doing. And, that, and honestly, we've never had anybody come in and tell us we don't know what we're doing. But it's like... I think you got to be very upfront with your expectations of service... And I mean, I think a lot of it boils down to us too. It's like, we need to be very upfront in our expectations financially from you to provide said level of service. Um, Cause you, you know, around here, it's like most people, 75, 80% of people that come into the shop just want a bow to shoot or just a bow to hunt with. And they don't really know what they want, what they need. So they're, you know, very open to suggestions and that kind of stuff, and that's great. But then once they get started, they go home and they, like, oh, start Googling stuff on YouTube, stuff on Archery Talk, stuff on, you know, various Facebook groups, whatever. And they're like, well, I didn't have my bow tuned to my hand. I didn't, you know, my arrows weren't spine-indexed and squared and, you know, all these other things, right? And it's like, yeah, that stuff kind of matters. I mean, this much, right? But if you don't understand it, I think you can get a bad taste in your mouth for your experience, right? And, it, and it's like all in hindsight, right? Like you could be the happiest guy in the world walking out the door. But then two weeks later, some guy online is telling you that you don't know what you're talking about and you're the guys that set up your bow. So that's kind of what we're gonna like explore a little bit today. And like I said, I've got archery talk pulled up. I've got some Facebook groups pulled up on my phone here. Um, and we're just gonna kind of approach it from a business and from a, you know, guys that spend six to seven days a week in the bow shop behind the counter or shooting arrows, right? And, um, you know, just kind of be honest and what we're seeing and like the direction stuff is going right so yeah that's what we got for you in store today um pretty, pretty much every time i see and actually i'm looking at one right now that i would love to <laughs> attack <laughs> i'm looking at we're looking at archery talk forums here 
third one down. Don't let me forget. I want to. Okay. Okay. That, that brings me to a good uh, something to say. It seems like everybody that's spewing hate out of their mouths or is super polarized in one direction, that all comes from one thing, uh, in, in my opinion, which is a lack of information. So it's these people who have just the slightest glimpse of what's going on through somebody's perspective or something like that, and their lack of understanding, the confusion that they have about something, uh, triggers this response where they could either you know be humble or be... Um, that guy that mouths off online. A blowhard. Exactly. So it, it's for me, it's a lack of information. Anytime uh, there's been an issue with a customer, uh, and I just want to say this, I am blessed with the customers that we have here. Yeah. They are all fantastic. I uh, Being open for three years here, I've had like one or two customers that have just been completely unreasonable. Um, and that's, that's incredible. Like that's yeah. something that I love being able to tell my employees is like, hey, if you're going to have any kind of like bad interactions with customers, just pass them off to me. And they look at me like kind of scared and it's like, but it never happens. It literally yeah. almost never, ever happens. Um, so, but when, when those situations did happen, it was because there was a lack of information. I knew something that they didn't know or they knew something that, the, you know, just the, there was some kind of confusion there. It wasn't because of a straight up F you from one person to another. And that's what, that's what I see. Like, I don't go online much, so I don't read the forums. I do. But Joe, like, he's like my mediator. He kind of like tells me about the stuff that's going on. And it's so clear the perspectives that these people are missing when they're going just, ah, you need a 750 grain arrow. And, and then there's the other people who I used to be one of them because I didn't really look into it much. What are you doing with a 750 grain arrow? You're an idiot. You know, I, I used to be like that because I didn't see the other side. So never take anybody's ever take anybody's opinion and make that your belief yeah if anybody tells you there's only one way to do something they're they're from a, they, they're coming from an angle right so like i think a little bit of take everything with like a grain of salt that comes from right it's just <sighs> archery is such a dynamic thing that you can kill deer a lot of different ways and you know I think a lot of those heavy arrow haters and lovers have had an experience right like you see it all day you can just kind of thumb through stuff right and it's like I shoot a 300 grain arrow out of a 60 pound bow and I've killed 7 million deer in my history and then one guy's like well I shot a deer in the shoulder and it didn't die so I have to shoot X you know I need a certain mm -hmm. amount of weight right and like from his perspective he's right if you do shoot deer in the shoulder you need more weight you know draw weight and arrow weight but I think you're preparing yourself for certain limitations in your setups um, you know there's not a lot of bone that's hard on a whitetail that you can't get through with most setups on the market but you know if you're preparing yourself to hit you know a little tiny area of shoulder bone and get through that that's great and if you are totally okay with your trajectory I, I mean I've, I've done the heavy arrow thing like I don't see anything wrong with the setup but I feel like you need to know the level of work it takes to get that arrow right for your bow 
you know, you need to know the proper spine of your arrow when you're going to add that much weight to the front. You need to know how to tune a bow to shoot that heavy of an arrow properly. And like, it's not substantially more work, but it is more work. And it's not just, I'm going to put a 200 grain broadhead on my arrow that I already have and go hunting like that. You know, it's just, you need to understand, you know, and I mean, that's where I do think the Ranch Ferry does a good job of like explaining some of the tuning methods that you have to use when you do that. But I feel like a lot of people just, they see the end result and that's what they want. They don't see, you know, they see the tip of the iceberg sticking out of the water and they think that's all there is, you know, when there's all that iceberg below the water. So, so I think what it comes down to is you, there's, and I don't think there's anything wrong with being uninformed. Like a lot of you guys, probably the majority of you guys don't have the time that we do to put into this stuff or yeah. the time that Aaron Snyder does or even Rance Ferry or whoever. Don't try to, don't be a voice online if you're misinformed. You know, you, yeah. you got to be in that state where you've tested a lot of things to where your opinion has value. It's like everybody, you know, everybody that can access WebMD is telling you what's wrong with you when you got a cough. You're dying. It, That's it, the end result. It's like just, just calm down. Know when your inform your input is valuable before you even open your mouth. Because there's a lot of times where I have certain in inclinations with customers where I don't believe what they're saying, but I'm not confident enough in whatever you know is thinking so i just kind of stay out I'm like hey that's your opinion you know that that's go ahead i don't believe that's the the right answer but step out know when you know when your opinion has value if, if it doesn't have value shoot i don't think anybody's looked at hate online and just had their their world shifted like oh wow that guy's yeah. that guy's actually really right i'm i'm such an idiot i can't believe how much of an idiot i was for posting this like thank you you know Matthew's boy 779 or whatever your username is yeah and I, there's nothing wrong with like if somebody asks a question giving your your thoughts and your information from your point of view but I think there needs to be a little bit more understanding in the world with like hey this has worked for me and I've had good luck doing this but just then the realization that like for your situation it has worked and not for everybody else's situation like i would never in a million years send somebody mule deer hunting or elk hunting with a big giant heavy arrow in like a somewhat open area but like if you're hunting you know pigs or whitetail or something where you're gonna get those close shots and you know you're gonna you know you could get 60 to maybe 70 yards like if you're okay with that, that's cool. Like go for it. If you if you've practiced enough at pin gapping to like understand where that arrow is going to hit in those big giant gaps that you're going to have with a heavy arrow, or you know from I mean, and we just keep saying heavy arrow topic, but like yeah, there's it's such a punching it, bag. Yeah, I feel bad for the guy. Um, so like, just basically the the moral of this whole podcast video, everything here is gonna be just like take a step back and like think about what you're reading before you comment. Cause there's been times where I've typed out this very, you know, long explanation of like guys having a tuning issue or something or, you know, whatever. And it's like, and then some other guy will write, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And I'm just like, <laughs> what? Like, 
I, I've set up I don't know how many bows in the last couple years and like how many arrow setups I've built for people and like I mean most of the guys have had amazing results like I've never had anybody come in and be like oh this is all crazy um, so you know I think a lot of it a lot of this episode and you know whatever here is going to be kind of lean towards trying to just dive into a couple of those topics and talk about it a little bit more and give you guys a little bit more information when it comes to how and why we have these opinions and how we formulated them over our you know however many combined years of like shooting bows and you know being in a shop so we can we see not only our setups but like every customer setup we touch you know we shoot it we you know we're tuning them and you know where this is coming from when we kind of like try to give you guys some advice and uh then when you read stuff online that is a little different and that's fine too because everybody's different yep. just like everything else you're trying to learn eat the meat and spit out the bones let yeah. no one person be the ultimate of your archery experience you don't want to be a sheep you don't want to be an echo you want to be a voice so yeah even what we're saying eat the meat spit out the bones yeah, and I will be the first to admit, you know, there's a good bit of my information. I've pulled, cherry, you know, I've cherry-picked from different people online, you know, like all of Aaron Snyder's stuff. Like, I agree, I would say a large portion of his stuff, I think, is pretty spot-on, honestly. Like, he just put out his podcast on KafaruCast about the his arrow choices, you know, for this year. And, you know, at the end of the day, his pick for the best arrow ever is the axis <clears throat> five mil and i'm like yeah i have no arguments with that i mean i half of my bows i run those through so it's like you know him you got john dudley giving great information out there on form and execution and that kind of stuff and you know a lot of that stuff out there the information's there if you can weed you know weed through some of the nonsense right and i think that's kind of our position on everything is like just stick in the middle of the road like the bell curve of archery is so wide of like what will work depending and then where on the bell curve you want to be is based on your situation so like you know we can talk about you know arrow weight which kind of we've already beat to death and like hey four, <laughs> i want to talk about that for another like mid four episodes mid fours you're probably pretty <laughs> solid you know let's just start let's just go there right and then the next thing that we probably deal with the most is like tuning a bow to your hand and that's like another big sticking point that like you see everywhere like your bow's got to be tuned to your hand your bow's got to be tuned to your hand and i feel like that's kind of like luke's little baby so i'm gonna let him go into that one yeah okay and don't let me forget that number three yeah, I, right I, I, there yeah that's why i'm not moving it all right so as far as tuning to your hand um, do I think that you should tune your bow to your hand? Yes. Yes, I do. Um, do I wish that I could offer that service to everybody that comes in for a tune? Yeah, that would be nice. That, that would be really nice just to make sure everybody's set up, dialed in. Um, ideally, that's what I want. Um, from a business standpoint, is it possible to tune everybody's bow to their hand? I'm not speaking for every shop out there. I'm, I'm certainly not speaking for every shop out there, so don't take this video and go bring it into any other pro shop and tell them how they should do their job. 
This is from my experience, what we can do here with the volume of bows and people that we see here. I have two different times of year, busy and slow. There's really no in between. I can't change my policies just because it's slow. Sometimes it's busy. Sometimes we'll have a slow season and there'll, and there'll, have, there'll be a busy day out of nowhere. So my point in that being is I got to stay consistent from a business standpoint. If you drop off your bow to be tuned, I do not tune it to your hand anymore. Now hold on because there's, there's going to be an exception to that because of the amount of grip issues that I see with people. All of a sudden what takes me, so, so basically what it looks like when you drop your bow off to me to tune it, um, it's going to be my hand, Joe's hand, you know, somebody's hand, we'll try to get somebody that's the same draw length as you so it's not in any kind of funky, you know, like weird contorting stuff that they have to go with. Even then, I've seen Dudley tune everybody's <laughs> Joe bows. Rogan's yeah, bow. Yeah. So, um, anyway, what the purpose of this tune is, is to correct correct cam lean, to correct cam timing, to make sure that your, your drop is functioning properly, that you're not getting fletching contact that the bow is shooting generally well. And this eliminates problems that you'll see, like some bows come out of the factory with weak limbs. Some bows come out of the factory, you know, like there, there's a lot of things that could be wrong. You could be an eighth inch off on your drop away cable as far as like a, like a QAD or something like that. And all of a sudden you're getting fletching contact and your aeroplay is an absolute nightmare. So that's what the general drop off tune looks like. Um, Back in the day at the first shop I started with, every bow was tuned to your hand. That turned into a horrible situation. Now, that being said, know your pro shop. Know, so like, for example, don't apply this to anybody else. If you are familiar with how we do things here and you're a familiar face and you come in on a slow day, or even if you're a stranger and you're just a good dude and we're dead slow and you want your bow tuned, sometimes I'm gonna tune it right there and I'm gonna let you put it in your hand. Yeah. But when it's busy, I have had this turn into a, like an hour-long grip lesson. Now, Ooh. most of the time you can fix somebody's grip in, in five, ten minutes. Most of the time it's, it's really not bad. But then you get the guys where, where you see ten things that you would change as to why they're getting a bad paper tear. Their grip's bad. They're, they got enough facial pressure to, you know, like rip their nose off. They got, you know, they're way out of alignment, so their body's already putting weird pressure on the bow. Like, th th that's the reason why I can't generally tune people's bows to their hand. Now, like I said, I think everybody should have their bow tuned to their hand. That's where we have appointments. So know what you're coming in here for. And like I said, most people go with the standard drop-off tune, and it works for most people. Yeah. Yeah, like if you're shooting a mechanical broadhead around here, and you're shooting a standard 60, 70-pound bow with, like, hunters or axis or something like that you're going to be fine the thing that comes into it is like when you want to shoot a big wide fixed blade or you want to shoot a heavy arrow you want to shoot a super light fast arrow you i mean you get out of the bell curve stuff gets squirrely and i think that's where you need to have you need to be armed with more information and more skill the further out of the bell curve you go be ready to and i'm not saying this because i want i want your money or a business we need to make money. Be ready to put some extra investment into that. Yeah. If you are outside of the bell curve, you want to do something weird, 
don't expect standard service. Set up, if your shop lets you do appointments, set up an appointment. Make sure your intentions are clear to them. Because mm -hmm. a lot of what we experience here on a daily basis is miscommunication because mm -hmm. the terms are different. Or like we know, you know, like anything like that. So like, all right, for example, this one guy came in, he said he wanted to move his peep site higher. Um, before even working with him, and this is not something I would have done when I first started working with customers. I would have moved his peep height up and I would have just gone right to it. But in this case, I asked him, I'm like, okay, well, why do you want to move your peep site up? And he, he said that he, you know, it got down to the issue of he wasn't grouping. And he thought that he watched this one video online and if he adjusted his peep site or if he adjusted his anchor point, um, then he was going to group better or something like that. And I was like, okay, well, now that I know what the actual problem is, let me take a look at you and shoot, like have you shoot. And I'm pretty sure, I can't remember, I don't even know if I ended up touching his peep site, but his alignment was off. Yeah. So he came in for a peep site to help his accuracy. I fixed his alignment, tr taught him how to use a, a trigger in a surprise release type of way. And he had groups, he told me that his groups were going from average at this to 20 yards to I saw him putting down groups like this. So it's be, be ready to put in some time, especially like I can't stress this enough. Go in when they're slow. Yeah, if you if you have like an odd work schedule and you can get out into the shop during the day and a weekday, oh, you're our favorite customer because we have been bored. So like, yeah, come in. We can spend some time with you and we can get you a little more set up and we have more time to spend with you. Yeah, trigger tr like. Tr appeal to the side of the technician that loves archery we don't like treating people like here we're, we're at a stage right now where i don't really want to get any bigger because i don't want to see people go in and out of my doors and not even yeah. know their names their faces uh just just become familiar with with your shop come familiar with us like whoever it is just we want to know your situation and if you want something out of the ordinary please 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 allow for extra involvement on our side yeah. and a lot of times it does come with extra costs now there's sometimes where i've spent five hours with a guy on a day it doesn't happen anymore with me um it happens with me because i can do that yeah with, especially like a younger kid just getting into it I, I i'll drop everything to help them yeah and we're not going to bill you for five hours yeah no that'd be horrible that's actually something that i stress to everybody that works here is like if, if we're slow on a day and you feel like dumping five hours of your time into a guy that comes in that's struggling to do whatever if somebody comes in to cut arrows, okay, stop with that guy for a sec, go cut arrows, come back, help this guy. Yeah. Um, and we're not gonna, like, we're, we're, we're very reasonable with with what we end up billing you for. Yeah. A lot of times I'm too nice with it. Um, it happens. But yeah, just, just know that if you wanna go to the extremes, use your pro shop. And you know, if you got a guy that's, use your judgment, use yeah. your discernment. If somebody's telling you this is the way to do it, this is the only way to do it, that's one thing, you know, that's not a great guy to listen to. But then if you go to a guy that's like doing a pro shop, like if somebody came in to me and said some kind of radical idea that they got online, um, for, for me, that's like bringing your steak to a restaurant and ask them to cook it. Like if you got like this like crazy setup going in your mind, um, crazy gear or whatever it is, if it's something really off the wall, and you want to make it work. I can't even think of an example. Most people, okay, yeah. Uh, an Oneida, sorry. No. An Oneida with, 
with a drop away rest or oh, something like oh that. Oh my god, yeah. It's like it's like okay, dude. Like I'm not putting my guarantee on this. Like if you want to pay for my time, you can pay for my time. But, um, you know, I'm gonna tell you that I'm not familiar with that, and you're probably not gonna get the best results from me. Yeah, yeah. That's that's an odd one. All right, so can I put a pin in this. I gotta go to the bathroom so bad. Okay, it snuck up on me. We're hot. And we're back again. Look at this, two in a row. Uh, for this one, we are kind of diving into archery online. Um, I don't know what it is lately, but I have seen so much negativity in like the online archery world. It's it's like frankly a little bit disgusting, um, and it's like everywhere, right? Not just hate towards local shops that don't know what they're doing hate towards influencers that like are idiots or don't know what they're doing or sellouts and hate towards every bow manufacturer and every arrow manufacturer and all this stuff and like i don't know what the heck is going on but like archery is awesome right now and i don't understand where the hate is like like, there isn't a manufacturer out there who makes bad bows. They make, some bows are better than others, but I think it all comes down to what you're trying to do with it. Um, and I understand, like, being a fanboy for a brand. Like, I get that. But, like, I don't understand why one guy that shoots one brand that has their flagship, and then somebody else asks about another brand's flagship and like their response is it's junk. And I'm like, uh, I mean, if he was asking about a 10 year old infinite edge, but even those bows aren't junk, <laughs> they, eh, they're a pain, <laughs> but they work, right? If you're just, just getting in and like, cause I think a lot of people read this, like I got archery talk pulled up here, so we're going to dive into that in a little bit. But I think a lot of people read this, those comments, and it just turns people off to archery. And I mean, at the end of the day, the way to get a niche hobby bigger and more important and have more money in the sport is to get more people doing it. You know, it's outside sponsors and all this stuff for events and 3D shoots. And, you know, there's, you know, and it's supporting those local shops and building those relationships. Because, like, when you walk in the door here, my goal is to treat you like one of my buddies walking in the door, right? But if you come in standoffish and pretending you know everything because you've read it on Archery Talk or watched a YouTube video about whatever and that we don't know what we're doing. And, that, and honestly, we've never had anybody come in and tell us we don't know what we're doing. But it's like... I think you got to be very upfront with your expectations of service... And I mean, I think a lot of it boils down to us too. It's like, we need to be very upfront in our expectations financially from you to provide said level of service. Um, Cause you, you know, around here, it's like most people, 75, 80% of people that come into the shop just want a bow to shoot or just a bow to hunt with. And they don't really know what they want, what they need. So they're, you know, very open to suggestions and that kind of stuff, and that's great. But then once they get started, they go home and they, like, oh, start Googling stuff on YouTube, stuff on Archery Talk, stuff on 
you know, various Facebook groups, whatever. And they're like, well, I didn't have my bow tuned to my hand. I didn't, you know, my arrows weren't spine indexed and squared and, you know, all these other things, right? And it's like, yeah, that stuff kind of matters. I mean, this much, right? But if you don't understand it, I think you can get a bad taste in your mouth for your experience, right? And, it, and it's like all in hindsight, right? Like you could be the happiest guy in the world walking out the door. But then two weeks later, some guy online is telling you that you don't know what you're talking about and you're the guys that set up your bow. So that's kind of what we're gonna like explore a little bit today. And like I said, I've got archery talk pulled up. I've got some Facebook groups pulled up on my phone here. Um, and we're just gonna kind of approach it from a business and from a, you know, guys that spend six to seven days a week in the bow shop behind the counter or shooting arrows, right? And, um, you know, just kind of be honest and what we're seeing and like the direction stuff is going, right? So yeah, that's what we got for you in store today. Um, pretty, pretty much every time I see, and actually I'm looking at one right now that I would love to attack. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at, we're looking at Archery Talk forums here. Third one down, don't let me forget, I wanna. Okay, okay. That, that brings me to a good, uh, something to say. It, it seems like everybody that's spewing hate out of their mouths or is super polarized in one direction that all comes from one thing uh, in, in my opinion which is a lack of information so it's these people who have just the slightest glimpse of what's going on through somebody's perspective or something like that and their lack of understanding the confusion that they have about something uh triggers this response where they could either you know be humble or be um that guy that mouths off online or blowhard Exactly. So it, it's for me, it's a lack of information. Anytime uh, there's been an issue with a customer, uh, and I just want to say this, I am blessed with the customers that we have here. Yeah. They are all fantastic. I uh, Being open for three years here, I've had like one or two customers that have just been completely unreasonable. Um, and that's, that's incredible. Like that's yeah. something that I love being able to tell my employees is like, hey if you're gonna have any kind of like bad interactions with customers just pass them off to me and they look at me like kind of scared and it's like but it never happens it literally yeah. almost never ever happens um so but when when those situations did happen it was because there was a lack of information i knew something that they didn't know or they knew something that the you know just that there was some kind of confusion there it wasn't because of a straight up f you from one person to another and that's what that's what i see like I don't go online much, so I don't read the forums. I do, but Joe, like he's like my mediator. He kind of like tells me about the stuff that's going on, and it's so clear the perspectives that these people are missing when they're going just ah, you need a seven hundred and fifty grain arrow, and and then there's the other people who I used to be one of them because I didn't really look into it much. What are you doing with a seven hundred and fifty grain arrow? You're an idiot. You know I I used to be like that because I didn't see the other side. So. Never take anybody's, ever take anybody's opinion and make that your belief. Yeah, if anybody tells you there's only one way to do something, they're, they're, from a, they, they're coming from an angle, right? So, like, I think a little bit of take everything with, like, a grain of salt that comes from, right? It's just 
the, archery is such a dynamic thing that you can kill deer a lot of different ways. And, you know, I think a lot of those heavy arrow haters and lovers have had an experience, right? Like, you see it all day. You can just kind of thumb through stuff, right? And it's like, I shoot a 300-grain arrow out of a 60-pound bow, and I've killed 7 million deer in my history. And then one guy's like, well, I shot a deer in the shoulder, and it didn't die, so I have to shoot X. You know, I need a certain amount of weight, right? And, like, from his perspective, he's right. If you do shoot deer in the shoulder, you need more weight, you know, draw weight and arrow weight. But I think you're preparing yourself for certain limitations in your setups. Um, you know, there's not a lot of bone that's hard on a whitetail that you can't get through with most setups on the market. But, you know, if you're preparing yourself to hit you know a little tiny area of shoulder bone and get through that that's great and if you are totally okay with your trajectory i i mean i've i've done the heavy arrow thing like i don't see anything wrong with the setup but i feel like you need to know the level of work it takes to get that arrow right for your bow you know you need to know the proper spine of your arrow when you're going to add that much weight to the front you need to know how to tune a bow to shoot that heavy of an arrow properly and like it's not substantially more work but it is more work and it's not just i'm going to put a 200 grain broadhead on my arrow that i already have and go hunting like that you know it's just you need to understand you know and i mean that's where i do think the ranch fairy does a good job of like explaining some of the tuning methods that you have to use when you do that but i feel like a lot of people just they see the end result and that's what they want they don't see you know they see the tip of the iceberg sticking out of the water and they think that's all there is you know when there's all that iceberg below the water so so i think what it comes down to is you, there's and i don't think there's anything wrong with being uninformed like a lot of you guys probably the majority of you guys don't have the time that we do to put into this stuff or the yeah. time that Aaron Snyder does or even Ranch Ferry or whoever don't try to don't be a voice online if you're misinformed you know you, yeah you got to be in that state where you've tested a lot of things to where your opinion has value it's like everybody you know everybody that can access WebMD is telling you what's wrong with you when you got a cough you're dying it, it, that's it, the end result it's like just just calm down know when your inform your input is valuable before you even open your mouth because there's a lot of times where i have certain in inclinations with customers where i don't believe what they're saying but i'm not confident enough in whatever you know is thinking so i just kind of stay out of like hey that's your opinion you know that that's go ahead i don't believe that's the the right answer but step out know when you know when your opinion has value if, if it doesn't have value shoot i don't think anybody's looked at hate online and just had their their world shifted like oh wow that guy's yeah. that guy's actually really right i'm i'm such an idiot i can't believe how much of an idiot i was for posting this like thank you you know matthew's boy 779 or whatever your username is yeah and I, there's nothing wrong with like if somebody asks a question giving your your thoughts and your information from your point of view but I think there needs to be a little bit more understanding 
in the world with like, hey, this has worked for me and I've had good luck doing this. But just then the realization that like for your situation it has worked and not for everybody else's situation. Like I would never in a million years send somebody mule deer hunting or elk hunting with a big giant heavy arrow in like a somewhat open area. But like if you're hunting, you know, pigs or whitetail or something where you're going to get those close shots and, you know, you're going to, you know, you could get 60 to maybe 70 yards. Like, if you're okay with that, that's cool. Like, go for it. If, you, if you've practiced enough at pin gapping to, like, understand where that arrow is going to hit in those big giant gaps that you're going to have with a heavy arrow or, you know, from, I mean, and we just keep saying heavy arrow topic, but like yeah, there's such a punching it, bag. Yeah, I feel bad for the guy. Um, so like just basically the, the moral of this whole podcast video, everything here is going to be just like take a step back and like think about what you're reading before you comment. Because there's been times where I've typed out this very, you know, long explanation of like guys having a tuning issue or something or, you know, whatever. And it's like, and then some other guy will write, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And I'm just like, <laughs> what? Like, I, I've set up, I don't know how many bows in the last couple of years and like how many arrow setups I've built for people. And like, I mean, most of the guys have had amazing results. Like I've never had anybody come in and be like, oh, this is all crazy. Um, so, you know, I think a lot of it, a lot of this episode and, you know, whatever here is going to be kind of lean towards trying to just dive into a couple of those topics and talk about it a little bit more and give you guys a little bit more information when it comes to how and why we have these opinions and how we formulated them over our, you know, however many combined years of like shooting bows and, you know, being in a shop so we can, we see not only our setups, but like every customer setup we touch you know we shoot it we you know we're tuning them and you know where this is coming from when we kind of like try to give you guys some advice and uh then when you read stuff online that is a little different and that's fine too because everybody's different yep just like everything else you're trying to learn eat the meat and spit out the bones let no one person be the ultimate of your archery experience you don't want to be a sheep you don't want to be an echo. You want to be a voice. So yeah. even what we're saying, eat the meat, spit out the bones. Yeah, and I will be the first to admit, you know, there's a good bit of my information. I pulled cherry, you know, cherry picked from different people online, you know, like all of Aaron Snyder's stuff. Like, I agree. I would say a large portion of his stuff, I think, is pretty spot on honestly like he just put out his podcast on kafaru cast about the his arrow choices you know for this year and you know at the end of the day his pick for the best arrow ever is the axis five mil and i'm like yeah i have no arguments with that i mean i half of my bows i run those through so it's like you know him you got john dudley giving great information out there on form and execution and that kind of stuff and you know a lot of that stuff out there the information's there if you can weed, you know, weed through some of the nonsense, right? And I think that's kind of our position on everything is like, just stick in the middle of the road. Like the bell curve of archery is so wide of like what will work depending. And then where on the bell curve you want to be is based on your situation. 
So like, you know, we can talk about, you know, arrow weight, which kind of we've already beat to death and like, hey, four, <laughs> I want to talk about that for another like mid four episodes, mid fours, you're probably pretty <laughs> solid. You know, let's just start. Let's just go there. Right. And then the next thing that we probably deal with the most is like tuning a bow to your hand. And that's like another big sticking point that like you see everywhere. Like your bow's got to be tuned to your hand. Your bow's got to be tuned to your hand. And I feel like that's kind of like Luke's little baby. So I'm going to let him go into that one. Yeah. Okay. And don't let me forget that number three. Yeah, I, right I, there. I, yeah. That's why I'm not moving it. All right. So as far as tuning to your hand, um, do I think that you should tune your bow to your hand? Yes. Yes, I do. Um, do I wish that I could offer that service to everybody that comes in for a tune? Yeah, that would be nice. That, that would be really nice just to make sure everybody's set up, dialed in. Um, ideally, that's what I want. Um, from a business standpoint, is it possible to tune everybody's bow to their hand? I'm not speaking for every shop out there. I'm, I'm certainly not speaking for every shop out there, so don't take this video and go bring it into any other pro shop and tell them how they should do their job. This is from my experience, what we can do here with the volume of bows and people that we see here. I have two different times of year, busy and slow. There's really no in between. I can't change my policies just because it's slow. Sometimes it's busy. Sometimes we'll have a slow season and there'll, and they'll have, there'll be a busy day out of nowhere. So my point in that being is I got to stay consistent from a business standpoint. If you drop off your bow to be tuned, I do not tune it to your hand anymore. Now hold on because there's, there's going to be an exception to that because of the amount of grip issues that I see with people. All of a sudden what takes me, so, so basically what it looks like when you drop your bow off to me to tune it, um, it's going to be my hand, Joe's hand, you know, somebody's hand, we'll try to get somebody that's the same draw length as you so it's not any kind of funky, you know, like weird contorting stuff that they have to go with. Even then, I've seen Dudley tune he tunes everybody's <laughs> Joe bows. Rogan's yeah, bow. Yeah. So. Um, anyway, what the purpose of this tune is, is to correct correct cam lean, to correct cam timing, to make sure that your, your drop is functioning properly, that you're not getting fletching contact that the bow is shooting generally well. And this eliminates problems that you'll see, like some bows come out of the factory with weak limbs. Some bows come out of the factory, you know, like there, there's a lot of things that could be wrong. You could be an eighth inch off on your drop away cable as far as like a, like a QAD or something like that. And all of a sudden you're getting fletching contact and your aeroflight is an absolute nightmare. So that's what the general drop off tune looks like. Um, Back in the day at the first shop I started with, every bow was tuned to your hand. That turned into a horrible situation. Now, that being said, know your pro shop. Know, so like, for example, don't apply this to anybody else. If you are familiar with how we do things here and you're a familiar face and you come in on a slow day, or even if you're a stranger and you're just a good dude and we're dead slow and you want your bow tuned, sometimes I'm gonna tune it right there and I'm gonna let you put it in your hand. Yeah. But when it's busy, I have had this turn into a, like an hour-long grip lesson. Now, mm -hmm. most of the time you can fix somebody's grip in, in five, ten minutes. Most of the time it's, it's really not bad. 
but then you get the guys where, where you see 10 things that you would change as to why they're getting a bad paper tear. Their grip's bad. They're, they got enough facial pressure to, you know, like rip their nose off. They got, you know, they're way out of alignment, so their body's already putting weird pressure on the bow. Like, th th that's the reason why I can't generally tune people's bows to their hand. Now, like I said, I think everybody should have their bow tuned to their hand. That's where we have appointments. So know what you're coming in here for. And like I said, most people go with the standard drop-off tune, and it works for most people. Yeah. Yeah, like if you're shooting a mechanical broadhead around here, and you're shooting a standard 60, 70-pound bow with, like, hunters or axis or something like that, you're going to be fine. The thing that comes into it is, like, when you want to shoot a big, wide fixed blade or you want to shoot a heavy arrow, you want to shoot a super light, fast arrow, You, I mean, you get out of the bell curve, stuff gets squirrely. And I think that's where you need to have, you need to be armed with more information and more skill the further out of the bell curve you go. Be ready to, and I'm not saying this because I want I want your money. We're a business, we need to make money. Be ready to put some extra investment into that. Yeah. If you are outside of the bell curve, you want to do something weird, don't expect standard service. Set up, if your shop lets you do appointments, set up an appointment. Make sure your intentions are clear to them. Because mm -hmm. a lot of what we experience here on a daily basis is miscommunication because mm -hmm the terms are different or like we know you know like anything like that so like all right for example this one guy came in he said he wanted to move his peep sight higher um before even working with him and this is not something i would have done when i first started working with customers i would have moved his peep height up and i would have just gone right to it but in this case i asked him i'm like okay well, why do you want to move your peep sight up and he, he said that he you know it got down to the issue of he wasn't grouping and he thought that he watched this one video online and if he adjusted his peep sight or if he adjusted his anchor point um then he was going to group better something like that and i was like okay well now that i know what the actual problem is let me take a look at you and shoot like have you shoot and i'm pretty sure i can't remember i don't even know if i ended up touching his peep sight but his alignment was off yeah so he came in for a peep sight to help his accuracy i fixed his alignment taught him how to use a, a trigger in a surprise release type of way and he had groups he told me that his groups were going from average at this to 20 yards to i saw him putting down groups like this mm -hmm. so it's be, be ready to put in some time especially like i can't stress this enough go in when they're slow yeah if you if you have like an odd work schedule and you can get out into the shop during the day and a weekday oh you're our favorite customer because we have been bored so like yeah come in we can spend some time with you and we can get you a little more set up and we have more time to spend with you yeah trigger tr like tr appeal to the side of the technician that loves archery we don't like treating people like here we're, we're at a stage right now where i don't really want to get any bigger because i don't want to see people go in and out of my doors and not even yeah. know their names their faces uh just just become familiar with with your shop come familiar with us like whoever it is just we want to know your situation and if you want something out of the ordinary please 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 allow for extra involvement on our side yeah. and a lot of times it does come with extra costs now there's sometimes where i've spent five hours with a guy on a day it doesn't happen anymore with me um it happens with me because i can do that yeah with, especially like a younger kid just getting into it i i i'll drop everything to help them 
Yeah. And we're not going to bill you for five hours. Yeah, no. That'd be horrible. That's actually something that I stress to everybody that works here is like, if, if we're slow on a day and you feel like dumping five hours of your time into a guy that comes in that's struggling to do whatever, yeah. if somebody comes in to cut arrows, okay, stop with that guy for a sec, go cut arrows, come back, help this guy. Yeah. Um, and we're not going to, like, we're, we're, we're very reasonable with with what we end up billing you for. Yeah. A lot of times I'm too nice with it. Um, it happens. But yeah, just, just know that if you want to go to the extremes, use your pro shop. And, you know, if you got a guy that's, Use your judgment. Use your discernment. If somebody's telling you this is the way to do it, this is the only way to do it, that's one thing. You know, that's not a great guy to listen to. But then if you go to a guy that's, like, doing a pro shop, like, if somebody came in to me and said some kind of radical idea that they got online, um, for, for me, that's like bringing your steak to a restaurant and ask them to cook it. Like, if you got, like, this, like, crazy setup going in your mind... Um, crazy gear or whatever it is if it's something really off the wall and you want to make it work I can't even think of an example most people okay yeah uh, an Oneida sorry oh, an Oneida with with a drop away rest or oh, something like oh that oh my god yeah it's like it's like okay dude like I'm not putting my guarantee on this like if you want to pay for my time you can pay for my time but um, you know the I'm going to tell you that I'm not familiar with that and you're probably not going to get the best results from me. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's an odd one. All right, so... Can I put a pin in this? i got to go to the bathroom so bad. Okay. It snuck up on me. <laughs> okay. So, next little thingy here. Uh, Luke's got something he's got to talk about. Yeah, okay, so... Would you click on? Yes, so sure. the, the the title of this forum is called "Low Draw Weight Issues on Youth Bear Cruiser G2 Cam Lean Derail Help Needed." What, what poundage are they shooting? Does it say? Factory setting at seventy. Oh, as low as it can go. Yeah. Settings at seventy. I lower the poundage. Yeah. Let's Cam Lean again. Okay, so. Anyway, the reason I want to talk about this one, I have something against bear price point bows. I'm not against all of them, but any of the bows, so put this in perspective, the cheapest bow setup that I have new here is going to be the Elite Ember, which is $650 for everything that you need on the bow. You'd have to buy release and arrows separate from that. Um, there is a reason that is as low as I will go anymore. On these bare price point bows, even on the PSE price point bows, and I'm talking like anywhere from like, like a $300 bow to like a, you know, $500 package, anywhere in there, especially from bare, I see so many quality control issues from the factory, it's not even funny. Lots of limbs. When they work fine, if you got a bear cruiser and you've been killing deer with it and you love the thing, freaking awesome. Enjoy that thing. If you got a bear paradox and you love it and you've been killing deer like crazy, enjoy it. That's awesome. When they're good, they're fine bows. They're they're pretty they're pretty yeah. awesome bows for for the, the cost of it. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned. So don't, you know, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying all bear bows are drunk. 
The quality control that I get from the factory is absolutely reprehensible. If I sold 10 bare cruisers, I would probably either have to rebuild them, rebuild, or send back, I don't want to say six of them, it's probably about half and half, to where at the very least I'm swapping limbs, I'm reshimming them, and when you're talking about a boat that costs $400, you don't have much margin to spare off the top of that. Archery is not a high margin industry. So if I immediately, before even selling this bow, or, or worse, after selling it, okay, thank you for your $400, I appreciate it. Um, let's set this bow up, you set it up and the cam lean's so bad it's gonna derail, then it's like, okay, now this customer doesn't get to walk out with it that day, I immediately have to tear apart their brand new bow, rebuild it, maybe that'll work, maybe it just has a bad limb, so I gotta warranty some limbs, you know, get them back from bare, and most of the time you don't have to send them back. Anyway, it's this whole hoopla, it's this whole thing that you gotta go through where in my experience, it has not been worth it to carry anything cheaper than the Elite Ember. The Elite Ember has fantastic quality control. Yeah. Um, it's it's still not it's still not as good as a flagship. You're still going to run into some issues with those. But um, I get a lot of people wondering why is it so expensive, and I, I hate having that huge barrier to entry, mm -hmm. um, which is why I carry used bows. If you're trying to get into archery, cheaper. <sighs> It's it's hard to tell you to go online, Cabela's, whatever, get any of like the, the four or five hundred dollar bear packages. Especially do not be shooting those things if you're thirty inches at seventy pounds. Mm. Do not do that. Those mm. things are not think about it. You you gotta save costs somewhere. If they're saving it, clearly they're saving it in quality quality control because a lot of them just get put out of the factory and they're just they're just not shooting right from the from the get go. Yeah. But then it's like longevity. One, the bows, the bows feel pretty rough at 70. If you're talking about like a cheaper bow, the heavier weight, of course that's just the nature of the beast is that they're not gonna feel quite as good as the flagships. But for me, if I was shooting a bear cruiser, I would shoot that thing, not as light as it could go, but I would shoot that thing from 50 to 60 pounds, not 70 pounds, just because I want those material, I want that those things to last. Yeah, especially like mid hunting season to have a failure is gonna like put a horrible taste in your mouth. Yeah, and strings too. Strings on most bow companies, I don't know if you know this or not, I'm letting the cat out of the bag, uh, strings that come on most bows are pretty bad. Like, they're pretty bad. They're not great on the flagship level, they're really bad on the price point level. So if you're shooting 70 pounds and you got all that energy coming out of the bow, you're gonna wear through those strings so much faster. Um, holy crap, I've never seen worse strings on a bow than like the, the bare mid-price bows. Mm -hmm. I can't remember what that guy, it looked like they served it with dental floss. Or something like that. It was like, like nylon or something. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was not good. It was like, dude, the first thing I would do is put a set of strings on that thing. Yeah. In which case, you're up to the 650 mark anyway. Yeah. So, um, yeah, look at that. And like you said, the used market is there for a reason if you're trying to save money. Like, that's why we try to, like, keep used rotating mod bows in. Um, and granted, here's the thing. If you're, you know, if you're a kid looking to get into it, looking to get your kid into it, yeah, the, that's where those bows shine for me at like low draw weights and like just shooting in the backyard, getting ready to hunt and like all that kind of stuff. Like that's why, to me, that's why those bows exist. Yeah. Like so, if you're pulling adult big poundage, step up, you know, the, the elite terrain, you know, that, that like mid price point $700-ish dollar bow is going to serve you well and last a long time and 
it's going to give you a better experience. It's just like, you know, riding bicycles or riding, or I don't, I don't know what, I, I know bicycles, right? Because that's what I used to race. Uh, it's like buying a bike from Walmart versus, you know, your local bike store that like makes a quality thing, right? And uh, yeah, it's just, it's never going to work out good. Save money somewhere else, you know, save money on a site, save money on your arrows starting out. Like invest in a quality rest and a quality bow that will last you. And I'm not saying you have to buy flagship or even new flagship, you know, Bowtex PSE are notorious for not holding their value in the used market. Like those bows are out there. Make sure you're ready to, to get into it. So like there's something that we always used to say, which is like buy once, buy once, cry once. Mm -hmm. Let me just, I'll talk about two different experiences that you could have. You come into my shop or I would say, I mean, from what I hear about most shops, they're going to give you great customer service. You buy an Elite Ember for six fifty, add a hundred dollars worth of you know arrows and release, you're out the door seven fifty. That's that's no small chunk of change. Mm -hmm. But that's, in my experience, that's it. If if anything else, any extra costs, you're gonna end up um, putting you know getting six more arrows. That's another fifty, sixty bucks, something like that. You spent seven fifty, eight hundred dollars somewhere in there, and I've seen that last kids many years. I've, oh, yeah. I've seen it last them until the first one I've sold. They come in to trade it in years later, get back a decent value on the bow. Um, then you're the other guy who buys a five hundred dollar bow online. You come in, you pay for me to set it up. You go shoot. Uh, let's say I find out that it has a bad limb, and it's like, okay, I'm keeping your bow for th two, three weeks until you know they send me some limbs for it. I throw the new limbs on, all of a sudden we find that your cable has some bad wear on it because, you know, before when it was shot with the bad cam, you know, it was rubbing against your cam. Then I got to order you strings for it. And once I put the new strings on it, you find out there's a squeak in your limb pockets after, you know, X amount of shots. Mm -hmm. You might get out the door. I mean, you might get out the door just fine. Or you might end up putting $700 into it and having a horrible time shooting archery because every time you get in a groove, something goes wrong with your bow, you gotta leave it at the shop. Yeah. Um, so th there is, consider those two perspectives. Um, I'm not gonna turn anybody away that comes in with a Bear Cruiser or anything like that. Um, but yeah, we're gonna do our best to get you go up and running. But understand that it's gonna take a lot sometimes, or it may not. Yeah, that's a, you're, run, you're running the risk. When you buy online, you're running, it's, it's a gamble. Mm -hmm. um, and I will say, Bear, thank you that you are one of the well, I don't know. I don't know if necessarily thank you, but Bear is one of those companies that will honor a warranty if you buy it online. Um, so that is pretty nice that they do that. They're not going to charge you for a new set of limbs after you bought something online. Yeah. So take that for what it's worth. I don't know if that's a... It's probably a good thing, but... Um, nice. Yeah, so I just saw that off of Archery Talk. That was the first thing, and immediately that gets me going because everybody's like, why don't you just have any cheaper bows? It's like, because most of the time, they don't work. Yeah, they're not worth the amount of work they take to get going. Yep. Same thing as why I don't paper tune it to your hand. It's because like, it's not worth it on the grand scheme of things. Mm -hmm. There's too much time and effort um, to the point where I'd be losing money rather than, than getting money. Yeah, and we offer that in an appointment where you come in and get everything tuned to your hand, and we spend the time with you to get it up and running. And those are booked in a way that we can devote the hour to you to get everything perfect. So like, you know, basic drop off tune, then you have your appointment. So that's how we work it here. 
Um, next one we probably see the most kind of stuff with would be like arrow tuning, arrow building, that kind of stuff. So again, normally you come in, you want to buy arrows, we'll pick out your spine of your arrow, we'll know, you know, kind of the length of the arrow you want, we cut the arrow, glue the inserts in, you're ready to rock, right? Um, you see some stuff online where people expect arrows to be squared, spine aligned, spine tested, spun on an arrow spinner and cut the best section out of it, right? As part of that process. That's not gonna happen on a walk in the door, like by arrow kind of thing. Like I, I do that to my arrows sometimes. Sometimes I just cut them off and run them. We will square the insert end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That like once we're cut it, we'll we'll just run it through the ASD. Just, yeah, just yeah, yeah. But like a lot of guys are, you know, you read this stuff where guys are like, "All right, I need my arrows shot bare shaft so they can clock, and then I need them fletched in that specific direction. I need, you know, the shaft spun so that we're cutting the straightest section out of it, and like that takes a ridiculous amount of time to do." Um, and I think really if you, like, I feel like that's part of the process for like even a customer to do. Um, you know, it's just like one of those things that like you read all this stuff and it's like, so I've done it. I took out of the box fletched black labels and I've shot them out to a hundred yards. I just literally cut them on the saw, squared the front, glued them up and ran them. And then I took hunters, which are the same arrows squared them both ends cut them did all the you know everything to them didn't really notice a huge huge difference in accuracy so it's just like it's one of those things where it's like you read the stuff online how much does it really matter um you know it's you know to steal an expression from snyder it's you know you're picking fly shit out of chili here um anything on that are you kind of i had something for a second but then i just had a vision of Picking fly shit out of shit. I just okay. All right, all right. So we're gonna. Oh yeah. Okay, Luke's gonna go. I'm gonna scroll for something else. I, I I'm curious about the fanboy one. <laughs> I'm just. Oh. Did you see, did you already read that one? No, I missed it. It says something about what's up with these archery fanboys. I actually oh. know a guy that has a John Dudley tattoo on his foot. So it's really, I know a guy too. It's <laughs> so weird. <laughs> it just made me curious. It's probably nothing. Yeah. Um. Find out know your pro shop that's like i can't i can't stress that enough find out what is on and off the reservation what is on and off menu don't assume that they're going to do a bunch of things for you don't assume that they're not going to do a bunch of things for you get to know them figure out where that line is yeah. if you want to go off the reservation if you want to go off the menu you're going to either get denied or incur some some extra cost yeah. so just make sure you keep that in mind on that that just because pro shop guy says this about his pro shop doesn't mean this pro shop guy is going to do that for you so don't go in assuming that every pro shop has the same way of going through business it's just like any other business there's different ways of going about it yeah and basically this guy was just kind of in our boat <laughs> with like seeing all the hate and like fanboys yelling about everything else so yeah that oh. yeah I, I like that guy um do, 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 do. Everybody's excited about the SS thirty four. Everybody's mad at Matthews. Um, 
Here we go. This this should be good. Mechanicals Fuck. versus <laughs> mechanicals versus fixed blades. Dun dun dun. Uh, yeah, I have lots of opinions on this. I don't know if anybody cares, but I've got them. <laughs> uh, if you look in my hunting compound bow quiver, you will see both. I think if you have your bow tuned right, I think a fixed blade is an awesome option. But I also really like a mechanical. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with either. I mean, newsflash, I, they, here we're killing whitetail. I mean, out west they kill elk with them all the time. It's not a big deal. Understand the limitations of your setup. If you're shooting a fixed blade, you're gonna have a little more room for error. But if you're shooting a big giant mechanical, you're gonna have a lot of room for error the other way. Like if I if I screw up and I make a bad shot on a deer and it's back, I would much rather have a two inch cut mechanical going through liver and guts, you know, locking into a cut, right? I mean, granted, I would much rather put a heart shot on every animal I ever shoot from now forward and never have an animal last more than seconds. We don't live in a perfect world, unfortunately. And that's where my issue with a fixed blade comes in when everybody is recommending a one inch cut two blade fixed broadhead. Because if you put that in a bad place, I think it's going to just prolong suffering and all that kind of stuff, right? Um, granted, trad bows that we hunt with too, those are all fixed, of course. Um, so yeah, I think there's a time and place for both, depending on where you hunt and how you hunt. Anything? Yeah, I would agree. Um, this this is a pretty. This is especially a lot of like older guys. Like you'll see a lot of older guys be very adamant about fixed blades are the only way to go. Um, and then you'll 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 see some people who um, appreciate how fantastic mechanicals are. I I would say as far as looking at your experiences with broadheads and my experiences of talking to customers with broadheads stop taking bad shots on deer be patient be disciplined oh my gosh some yeah. of the time and it's funny because you'll you'll be able to walk i've been able to walk customers back before they're like oh, i shot this broadhead and you know it, the penetration sucked and i'm like okay like was the animal alert he's like well he, you know no it was it was perfectly fine he didn't see me coming or anything like that uh, it was at 30 yards, and then all of a sudden, as the conversation goes, it's, he's at 35 now, then he's at 50. Now he's alert and at 50 yards, and he shot him quartering two, but he shot him far back, so right in the shot. Like, as soon as you make a bad shot on an animal, don't let that ruin your experience with that head. If you make a bad shot on an animal, now you can you can, you can can test for st stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Like, you, you can test for those fringe shots. But don't plan on making those fringe shots. So, like, for me, and I don't see a lot of people holding to this. The way that I was raised in hunting is that if you don't have a broadside or a quartering away shot with a calm deer, then you don't have a shot. Um, granted, that's that's pretty extreme one way. So if you're if you would argue with me on that, I would say okay, that's fine. There's there's definitely a valid side to that. Like you can take quartering two shots. Um, so I've seen people take full frontals, like stuff like that. Like, those, okay, if, if that's what you want to do, that's what you can do. I have had one failure in my life, and I've killed 
I don't know, maybe a hundred animals before, like a hundred big game animals. My one failure was before I even started working on bows, um, my knock broke off. I got two inches of penetration on an Impala. And, you know, I was so green, I didn't even know that your knock could be broken. I take broadside shots, I take quartering away shots at calm animals, and I have not had any issues with anything. So keep that in mind before you start ragging on fixed blades, mechanicals, anything like that. If you took a marginal shot, don't let that sour your experience one way or the other. Don't be um, second guessing, you know, your arrow build, stuff like that. If you take a marginal shot, you know, w within reason. Um, so like I talked to, um, had a great conversation with one of my customers, Mark, the other day. Uh, this dude is a 30 inch draw. He's shot 80 pound bows since he was five or something like that. He's a monster. <laughs> um, but uh, pretty sure this dude could walk out like, uh, you know, a 300 pound deer on his shoulders. He believes what I believe as far as you don't have a shot, you know, exactly what I just said. Um, with the exception of sometimes he does take shoulder shots, but he's prepared for those shoulder shots. Um, personally, I'm still like, that's not something I would do. Um, but he has the kinetic energy. He has the experience to know that he's going to be able to get the job done with cool. that. So don't, don't be, especially if you're new, I can see like a lot of people, they see a big buck for the first time in the woods. They're freaking out. They get, they pull their bow back. Just, ah, I got to send an arrow at him. Don't be doing that. You're going to get horrible. You're going to get horrible results that way. You might get lucky, but more than likely you're going to wound an animal. You're going to spend the next three days tracking it. You're going to have that horrible feeling in your stomach. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't really go away. Yeah, I had to pass the biggest deer I've ever had an opportunity to shoot this year because of those situations. I had a mechanical knocked. It was 50 yards. And between me and him, it looked like there was brush in the way. I got to full draw and I'm looking at the brush and thinking about how I could celebrate this amazing trophy that I, you know, biggest deer I've ever seen on the hoof and I'm so excited. And at the end of the day, I let down knowing that I had an opportunity to catch that brush with a mechanical broadhead, flip it open and hit that deer somewhere maybe <clears throat> and hurt it and wound it and then have to deal with the you know my like mental anxiety and like just not not wanting to be in that situation i just let down and just appreciated the deer for what it was and let it walk by um now this is where the uh the guy shooting the heavy arrows it's a little more interesting to me um there's a guy jared maybe is his first name i can't remember he's uh like whitetail solutions whitetail addiction i don't one of those like online guys right he has a whatever a youtube channel and stuff and he talks about he shoots a heavy enough arrow with enough weight pull to where it doesn't matter to him which direction the deer is facing he just shoots for the vitals now like i don't know that i would want to test his theory and i haven't watched his videos yet i've bookmarked them and just haven't had a chance to go in and see like what kind of shots he's getting but he likes to hunt from the ground and shoot big deer and it's interesting that's all i'm gonna say like it's interesting so he's you know close shots i want to say his arrow is 700 grains or something like that and he's shooting a single bevel like grizzly stick setup i believe um so 
if you're prepared, you know, ethics are yours. They're like, it's, I'm not going to, I'm not here to tell you what to do, but like, think about before you release an arrow, when you're in the woods, when you're at that time, when you're looking for the deer and waiting for the deer to come through, think about your possibilities of where a deer could come from, what your shot may be, have a plan in your head and like, be like, if the deer is like this, it's not worth the shot. If the deer is like this, that's a great shot. And I know I can make that shot and like have the confidence in your setup to have the confidence in your shot. That's kind of where I'm at on all this. I think there's a lot of misinformation online and this guy could be, he could have horrible information, but I just haven't had time to read his stuff yet. So we'll see. Um, listen to him talk. It was, I mean, I was definitely ears perked up cause I'm like, that would be cool. Um, <laughs> but you know, I don't, I also don't want to deal with the, uh, two day tracking job and having to deal with coyotes getting there first and all that kind of stuff. Right. Cause the end of the day i'd really like the meat in the freezer more than i'd like the the horns on the wall so um so yeah uh that's probably enough of that nonsense uh another one that i don't know why it keeps popping up and it doesn't make sense to me is uh the guy that brings in a or has a 70 pound bow that's pulling 67 pounds and his bow shop telling him they can't do anything about it I don't understand why they can't twist the cables up, which they should be able to do. And like, there's been four, five threads I've seen in the last month about this. Um, so yeah, uh, just twist the cables up. I don't get it. Could you think of a reason why they couldn't get it, the poundage up? Um, so it's not, it's not beyond manufacturers to send lemons to some degree. Yeah. If it's a standard, if, if everything's in spec, I could, I could see a, a less experienced pro shop not wanting to do it because when you throw a bow out of spec, yeah, it can lead to other issues. Um, that being said, just get familiar with them. It's really an easy fix. Yeah. Like, especially if your bow's out of spec, if it's got a long ATA and a short brace and your long poundage, oh, that's the solution. Just twist the cables up. Yeah, if they um, looked at your bow and didn't take a tape measure to it and just told you they couldn't do it, that's that's where I'm curious. I don't, like, they, the guy didn't provide any more information about the thing, so I was just, that's, yeah. and I've seen a lot of that, so I'm just kind of curious. Yeah, I mean, so, like, I can only speak for, like, us here. Like, that, that's the first thing I would do is I would check if your bow's in spec, uh, then I would look at your cables and see if, if typically speaking, you can get about three pounds of, of float on your cables before you need to just short string or short cable whatever you got to do mm -hmm. most of the time that's an easy fix and that's the thing like if you go into a shop and you start you know like well you should be able to do this and the, maybe the guy already did check the spec maybe he was getting with the manufacturer to see if you know they had possibly sent like a, a set of weak limbs because that does happen yeah. too so you know if if everything is fine yeah twist up the cables you'll be able to get those three pounds back but something else could be going on that's the thing with bows there's so many moving parts that you know you never know exactly what the issue is just because it was the solution for this guy doesn't mean the solution for you um but yeah if everything's standard it's an easy fix yeah and that's something you could bring up with your tech i mean if he tells you that you know don't go home and blast the shop online maybe just ask him why you know just be like hey is like is there a reason that we can't do that and then i'm sure hopefully he would have an explanation as to why he couldn't do it right then and there um 
so yeah, again, here, I feel like we keep harping back to just communication between you and your technician. Yeah, because too, with that, then, so like, for example, if you got a QAD and you come in and your poundage is low and you want me to do it right on the spot and I'm slammed, I'm going to, I'm going to, like, realistic, I mean, a perfect world, an appointment for everything. That would solve everybody's issues yeah. to just set up an appointment. But, but of course, you don't want to spend $75 for an hour if it's just something quick. In this example, so there's a saying in archery where it's uh, in being an archery technician where if you change anything, you change everything. Mm -hmm. As soon as I cha change your cables, you get your poundage back up, then that QED cord's wrapped around. Um, then I got to, you know, take it out, of the, take it out, got to put it back in underneath the serving, which probably not a big issue. Yeah, and then it could be a little bit short, so you'd have to replace the cord too, theoretically. Yeah, so, so different stuff can like uncover bigger issues. Like the most popular one that we see here is, hey, can I get a new D-loop? Cut your D-loop off, your center serving is separated, separated as heck. Yeah. Again, if I'm slow, I'm gonna do it right there. If not, I'm gonna want you to drop it off. But so like, so like there's always like little nuances to consider. I'm not saying that they are the rule, but they very well could be the exception to the rule. So, so anytime you change any little thing, especially because when you're changing the length of your cables, then you're gonna change your rest timing. So like I, there, there's always like little things to consider. Um, don't necessarily think the tech's just blowing smoke up your butt to get more money out of you. Because from from what I've seen, that is, uh, you're in the wrong industry if you're in this to just get money out to of make people. money. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's a good chance whoever's behind the counter loves what they do or loved it at one point and has just been beaten down by yeah. <laughs> by customers on the internet or whatever. Yeah. So yeah. So tr trust them. Um, yeah, I, I agree. All right. So I've got at least one more but i think this one is going to be like a, a luke rant or tirade another one <laughs> or uh i'm not sure yet so i'm just going to wind them up give them a topic and send them out your guys' way so luke how do you feel about cheap crossbows <laughs> <laughs> um i think they're i think they're absolute garbage and i apologize to you if you have bought one from us uh the first year that we were open uh, I will continue my customer service that I do you know, as best as I possibly can, um, but I will not sell them anymore. I'm talking about anything that costs you anywhere from $300 to $500, more or less, is a cheap compound crossbow. That's fast, especially. Putting out 400 foot a second, putting out 380, putting out high foot per seconds on a cheap crossbow. Um, okay, it, same thing with everything in archery. There's a place for it. If you know what you're getting into, cool. If you are going on an elk hunt and you just blew up your compound and you don't trust yourself to, you know, get a... Okay, shoot, I don't even know. I don't even know if I'd get a cheap crossbow for that. <laughs> it's so hard to justify this. Let's say it's some less big of a deal thing, like your cousin's coming in from out of town and you guys are going hunting and you just need something quick and you're going to the Whitetail Woods. Yeah. You just bought a three to four year maximum bow. Yeah. Let me say that again. If you spend $400 on a crossbow, that's a lot of money. I'm not saying that's I'm not saying that's chump change. I mean, we, anybody that spends money here, I appreciate it if it's 10 bucks or if it's you know $2,000. You bought a temporary bow. Mm -hmm. If you are putting a so I I was talking to a rep uh, who will remain unnamed who sells these, and when we were speaking, somebody said a cheap crossbow, <coughs> Barnett, 
on the counter and we were talking about crossbows and I told him, I'm like, I'm a firm believer that I will never sell those ever again. I never sold the Barnets. Their customer service is not from what I hear, not, I mean, from my experience, it's been terrible, but I told him, I'm like, I will never sell those bows again. I will never sell that $400 price point crossbow again. And I'm telling you, I made a lot of money on these bows. I bought 40 of them. I sold 40 of them. Like yeah. it, it was one of the best, most consistent, quick turnovers possible. Um, timing issues from the factory. Just assume that they're there. Assume that you're going to have to fix the timing on every single one of them. Not a big deal. Um, expect that timing to go out of time after not very many shots because the strings are garbage. Then all of a sudden the rail is going to start wearing a groove into your arrows. Who's responsible for that? Am I going to bother the manufacturer to send you new arrows? Or with the good customer service that I think that we have here, I'm just going to give you an arrow. And then the next guy an arrow. And then all 50 of these people come in because that's a very common issue with these things. Um, you know, that, that, that's an issue. But then it goes way beyond that. If that was where it stopped, okay, cool. Then you got limb issues where one limb's overpowered. You know, you got the issue of where you shoot out a string. So let me, let me put this into perspective. An IBO weighted arrow for a compound bow, if you're shooting a 70 pound compound, is five. 350 grains, which is a very light arrow. They say any manufacturer is going to tell you that if you're shooting a 300 grain arrow of a 70 pound bow, you've voided the warranty because all of that energy has got to go somewhere. If it doesn't go into the arrow, it goes into your strings, your cams, your limbs, your limb pockets, everything, everything on the bow. You take a 200 pound crossbow, a 150 pound crossbow, a 250 pound crossbow, and you're shooting a 500 grain arrow, you are dry firing that every single time that you shoot it, no matter what. You can say, in order to shoot that properly, what is that? Math real quick. 200, 200 times five, that's a thousand. Nobody's shooting a thousand grain bolt out of a 200 pound crossbow. Most 20 inch bolts with, a, with 125 <laughs> grain broadhead are 440 grains. So know what you're getting into. I, I see it, it always happens. You buy that cheap crossbow, you come back all pissed off four years later because the limbs broke, and I'm like, wow, you got four years out of that. That's not mm -hmm. bad. That doesn't mean I'm not going to try to warranty it. So, like, for example, like, I just had somebody come in and do that with the crossbow that they bought off me. Their limbs broke. Um, I was like, okay, cool. Like, you got three, four years out of it. I called Bear, got him warrantied, put him back on it. Um, and I'm pretty sure it happened again. Like, it, his limbs just cracked again. So it's like, okay, now you need a new string for that thing because clearly the string is not absorbing any of the impact. Anyway, cheap components and high performance do not mix. Yes. If you want a super fast crossbow, go to a Raven, go to a 10 point, go to somebody with good customer service. Yeah. Because those things, I mean, they're, they're, they're insane. They're, they're bombs. Pretty much. If, if something goes the littlest bit wrong, I've seen people shoot the Raven that, you know, the cranks, it's that carriage that sits down on the rail comes up. I've seen him be cranking that thing. All of a sudden the, the belt breaks, blows up the whole front end of the bow. <laughs> like stuff like that is just like that. That happens when you're shooting those insanely fast, uh, crossbows. I'm a firm believer of the Excalibur brand. I don't carry much crossbows here. I work on crossbows. I know how to do them. They function this, the same as a compound in almost every way. Um, but I, I don't, I will never sell any, I don't know. I don't want to say I'll never sell the high end fast crossbows. But yeah, because they are kind of cool. The new, they, they're cool. That, yeah, it's kind of cool. I think they're cool. They're, they're pretty cool. Yeah. But not the cheap ones. Yeah, so that was fun.
if you want a cheap crossbow, they're being made from three companies over in China. Three different companies, that's it, all of them. I'm talking Carbon Express, Bear, PSE, I'm talking... Um, Killer Instinct. Killer, any of those, if they're a cheap crossbow, it's a representative from your company going over there being like, I want this stock, I want this riser, I want this, you know, scope. Boom, put it together. There's nothing new, and they're not, they're not made to last. In my opinion, we should have never evolved past the Hortons. The old Hortons... Dude, those things are... They're, are they're amazing. They're awesome 30-yard machines. <laughs> 30 yards and in. They're reliable. I still mm -hmm. see people shooting them with 15-year-old strings. Do not recommend that, by the way. Do not <laughs> replace your strings every four years at a minimum. Um, but, uh, yeah, don't... N know, know what you're getting into. Um, if you want to spend a lot of, or if you want a really fast bow, be ready to spend a lot of money. If you're okay with just getting something that's going to get you deer within 20, 30 yards, which covers most people, yeah, go to that $700 mark. Get, get an Excalibur, something that's just very simple, very hard to break. Um, something with great customer service. For me, that that seems to be the way to go. So yeah. All right. So I got I got one more, and this has already been probably way, 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 way too long. And I just want to dabble into this one quickly, but it's 2023's the year of basically awesome bows. <clears throat> and we've talked about it a little bit already. Um, and we are coming off our one bow challenge thing. And there are a lot of really cool bows coming out this year. Um, and honestly, not just from the brands we sell, like there's just a lot of cool stuff coming out this year. And I don't know if it's just like maybe the COVID shutdown, like they just had all these ideas stored up and they're just now implementing them. I'm not sure what happened, but like in the past few years, it's been like, nah, there's new bows coming out. Cool. This year it's like, there's new bows coming out rad. Um, the you know a lot of people you know i'll i'll be the first to not be a huge matthews person or a Hoyt person but like if you people are saying like oh they haven't done anything it's the same bow it's the same cam but like they're like taking a refined like once you have a refined product you can only refine it so much um and then like you look at the pse the mach 34 that thing's gonna be Rad! I can't wait till my Mossy Oak 70 comes in PSE. Please, please ship it faster. Um, you know, then we have the Bowtech lineup. Like, and the whole lineup, yeah, the CP30 is basically a CP28, only a little bit bigger. Um, but the 34SS is awesome. Like, I was not excited about that bow till I shot that bow. Like, that long riser, it full draw, it just literally sits there. Like, I'm really excited to get the SX80. And uh, shoot some 3D really far away with that. Um, the Reckoning, the Gen 2 Reckoning, it's my old Reckonings that I've had in the past, only better and more adjustable and more things that I can screw up and not be able to hit a target because I've played with them too many times. Um, like, it's just, everything is cool. Like, the Omnia, like, while I'm not a huge Elite Draw fan person, or Draw Cycle fan person, like, that bow is literally dead. Like, it doesn't make sense that like you can release energy from a fired bow and there not be anything it's like literally the opposite experience of shooting a crossbow 
Um, so that's going to be cool. And then Elite's other bow that's dropping that they keep, you know, they're doing the carbon bow thing, and it's it's all over the internet, so, like, you can find it. Um, well, I haven't seen a picture of it yet. I'm excited for that. I don't even know why. I don't even like Elite that much. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be an awesome year. Like, I'm going to have so many bows I can't wait to play with. I'm probably not going to shoot any of them very well, but it's going to be awesome. <laughs> I'm with you, man. So this this is where I wish everybody, most of our customers, just the hunting bow, that's it. I wish so badly target bows were more popular because that Gen 2 Reckoning is the most technologically advanced, amazing piece of machinery that I have ever seen a bow company come out with. As far as tunability, adjustability, fitment, they've literally thought of everything. The little grip adjuster thing. Dude, like... <laughs> Poor Tim Gillingham is not going to be able to go on his next, like, crazy goat hunt or something because they're going to put his grip company out of business. But good thing many people still shoot bow companies that don't do that. Yeah, Like yeah. Matthews and every, you know... Um, holy crap, I can't say enough good things. If you've, if you've been considering getting into Target, get into Target just because of that bow. Learn how to work on your own crap. Sorry, that sounded brutal. <laughs> learn how to work on your own crap if you're going to get into target shooting. It's a very helpful skill. Yeah. Come to us if you want to learn. Well, that and the verdict. The verdict is, oh, yeah, that that too. Daily verdict. That's true. I didn't give that one enough attention. Because it got it released out. early and it just kind of blew by. Yeah. Yeah. But, oh my gosh, that Reckoning 36, especially even if you're a long draw dude, get that thing for hunting. That is that is the sickest bow oh, I have yeah. ever seen shot in my life. Yeah. Um, it's not a great hunting bow for if you're a shorter guy. I did not like the way it felt on short with short bars. Yeah, but but, but as far as I'm not six four, bows. so yeah, the carbon one, like the Mach thirty, like dude, there's so much stuff coming now, and I have a feeling PSE is gonna change, drop something else. They normally drop something at ATA. Yeah, they will. So there's just a lot of stuff coming out right now that is awesome. So like. Don't be so negative, man. Embrace all this awesome stuff that we get to play with this time. You know, go to your local shops. Shoot some of this stuff. Um, you know, like, especially on slow days here, if you want to try, you know, even if you don't, you don't, you know, you're so, super happy with your Halon 6 or your NXT or, you know, your Cure or whatever bow you have that you're super happy with, it never hurts to see what's out there, right? A lot of the times it hurts. It, your wallet. It's going to hurt your wallet, yeah. Um, but, you know, you, everybody needs a backup bow, so you keep that cure set up for hunting, and you get a new Omnia, or you get the new Elite Carbon Bow, or whatever whatever you like. Or trade it in. Yeah, or trade it in. Put it on our used wall. We like used bows. Um, so, yeah, just quit being so negative. Enjoy all this stuff coming out this year. And uh, we appreciate you guys tuning in and listening, even though I'm sure that was, oh, my God, over an hour of rambling. Was uh, that really? Oh, because I, I took a break. Yeah, I took a pee break. So, uh, so yeah, uh, as you can tell, like, we could do this all day. And, like, if you guys are interested, we can keep doing it. Um, you know, comment, give us questions, like, subscribe, all that nonsense. Um, but, yeah, we're going to, like, really try to pour the, like, fire to the coals this winter with the YouTube and the podcast and just you know give you our point of view like i feel like a very kind of middle of the road guy in the archery world that i'm in um which you know average joe kind of thing right here so hopefully we can uh 
help explain some stuff. And like I said, if you have questions about something you've read or seen a video about and you want a little more in-depth explanation, I kind of feel like that may be our little niche to kind of like help you a little bit more when you hear a term that you need explained. Yep. Um, anything else? Yeah, if you're, uh, thank you for your comments on these videos and stuff. I will do my best to get to them. Um, that being said, I'm not going to, I can't go back and answer all the comments that I've got in our hiatus from YouTube. I saw a bunch of them. I appreciate them, but there's so many that I can't really break them down. Uh, if you got a good comment, I will respond to everything that I possibly can, or I will talk about it in the next video. Yeah. So if you got a genuine question up here, I would say there's no bad questions, but I've seen, I've seen bad questions. There's bad questions. So, yeah. you know, I'd love to, I'd love to answer it. If you want Joe's opinion on something, I'll, I'll have him swing over the computer and, and respond to it. Um, but I, I, it's not my thing. The, the reason, one of the reasons it's been so long between our YouTube videos is that I'm just not a tech person. Like I, I don't like being on my computer all the time. I don't like constantly scrolling through YouTube just because my personality, I'll, I'll go way too into it, you know, whatever, but that's neither here nor there. Um, so be patient with me. I'm going to try to answer every, everything that I can. Uh, but I do appreciate it. Keep sending the comments. Uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, just especially the new customers that we've got from the YouTube videos. That's awesome. We've yeah. had some really awesome customers. Just it's really weird to be coming out of your hunting spot in the dark and talk to a guy and he recognizes your voice. That was a little bit weird, but it was awesome. So it was appreciated. Yeah. So we appreciate you guys tuning in. Thank you so much uh, for your time and we will see you next time. Thank you guys. <laughs> okay, so next little thingy here. Uh, Luke's got something he's got to talk about. Yeah, okay, so would you click on... Yes, so the, the, the title of this forum is called Low Draw Weight Issues on Youth Bear Cruiser G2 Can Lean Derail Help Needed. What poundage are they shooting? Does it say? Factory setting at 70. Oh, as low as it can go. Yeah. Settings at 70. I lower the poundage. Yeah. Let's can lean again. Okay, so anyway, the reason I want to talk about this one. I have something against bare price point bows. I'm not against all of them, but any of the bow so put this in perspective the cheapest bow setup that i have new here is going to be the elite ember which is 650 for everything that you need on the bow you'd have to buy release and arrows separate from that um there is a reason that is as low as i will go anymore on these bare price point bows even on the pse price point bows and i'm talking like anywhere from like like a 300 bow to like a you know $500 package anywhere in there especially from bear I see so many quality control issues from the factory it's not even funny lots of limbs when they work fine if you got a bear cruiser and you've been killing deer with it and you love the thing freaking awesome enjoy that thing if you got a bear paradox and you love it and you've been killing deer like crazy enjoy it that's awesome when they're good they're fine bows they're they're pretty they're pretty yeah. awesome bows for for the, the, the cost money. of it yeah 
as far as I'm concerned. So don't, you know, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying all bare bows are junk. The quality control that I get from the factory is absolutely reprehensible. If I sold 10 bare cruisers, I would probably either have to rebuild them, rebuild, or send back, I don't want to say six of them, it's probably about half and half, to where at the very least I'm swapping limbs, I'm reshimming them, and when you're talking about a bow that costs $400, you don't have much margin to spare off the top of that. Archery is not a high margin industry. So if I immediately, before even selling this bow, or, or worse, after selling it, okay, thank you for your $400, I appreciate it. Um, let's set this bow up, you set it up and the cam lean's so bad it's gonna derail, then it's like, okay, now this customer doesn't get to walk out with it that day, I immediately have to tear apart their brand new bow rebuild it maybe that'll work maybe it just has a bad limb so i gotta warranty some limbs you know get them back from bear and most of the time you don't have to send them back anyway it's this whole hoopla it's this whole thing that you got to go through where in my experience it has not been worth it to carry anything cheaper than the elite ember the elite ember has fantastic quality control yeah um it's it's still not it's still not as good as a flagship you're still going to run into some issues with those but um i get a lot of people wondering why is it so expensive and I, I hate having that huge barrier to entry mm -hmm. um, which is why I carry used bows if you're trying to get into archery cheaper it's it's hard to tell you to go online Cabela's whatever get any of like the the four or five hundred dollar bear packages especially do not be shooting those things if you're 30 inches at 70 pounds mm. do not do that those mm. things are not Think about it. You you got to save costs somewhere. If they're saving it, uh, clearly they're saving it in quality quality control because the, a lot of them just get put out of the factory and they're just they're just not shooting right from the from the get go. Yeah. But then it's like longevity. One the bows the bows feel pretty rough at seventy. If you're talking about like a cheaper bow, the heavier weight. Of course, that's just the nature of the beast. Is that they're not going to feel quite as good as the flagships. But for me, if I was shooting a bear cruiser, I would shoot that thing not as light as it could go but i would shoot that thing from 50 to 60 pounds not 70 pounds just because i want those material i want that those things to last yeah especially like mid hunting season to have a failure is gonna like put a horrible taste in your mouth yeah and strings too strings on most bow companies i don't know if you know this or not I'm letting the cat out of the bag uh strings that come on most bows are pretty bad like they're pretty bad they're not great on the flagship level they're really bad on the price point level so if you're shooting 70 pounds and you got all that energy coming out of the bow, you're going to wear through those strings so much faster. Um, holy crap, I've never seen worse strings on a bow than like the, the bare mid-price bows. Mm -hmm. I can't remember what that guy, it looked like they served it with dental floss or something like that. It was like, like nylon or something. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was not good. It was like, dude, the first thing I would do is put a set of strings on that thing. Yeah. In which case, you're up to the 650 mark anyway. Yeah. So, um, yeah, look at that. And like you said, the used market is there for a reason if you're trying to save money like that's why we try to like keep use rotating mod bows in um and granted here's the thing if you're you know if you're a kid looking to get into it looking to get your kid into it yeah th that's where those bows shine for me at like low draw weights and like just shooting in the backyard getting ready to hunt and like all that kind of stuff like that's why to me that's why those bows exist yeah like so if you're pulling adult big poundage step up you know the, the elite terrain 
you know, that, that like mid price point, $700 ish dollar bow is going to serve you well and last a long time. And it's going to give you a better experience. It's just like, you know, riding bicycles or riding, or I don't, I don't know what I, I know bicycles, right? Cause that's what I used to race. Uh, it's like buying a bike from Walmart versus, you know, your local bike store that like makes a quality thing. Right. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's never going to work out good. Save money somewhere else, you know, save money on a site, save money on your arrows starting out, like invest in a quality rest and a quality bow that will last you. And I'm not saying you have to buy flagship or even new flagship, you know, Bowtex PSE are notorious for not holding their value in the used market. Like those bows are out there. Make sure you're ready to, to get into it. So like, there's something that we always used to say, which is like buy once, buy once, cry once. Mm -hmm. Let me just, I'll talk about two different experiences that you could have. You come into my shop, or I would say, I mean, from what I hear about most shops, they're gonna give you great customer service. You buy an Elite Ember for 650, add $100 worth of you know arrows and release, so you're out the door 750. That's, that's no small chunk of change. Mm -hmm. But that's, in my experience, that's it. If, if anything else, any extra costs, you're gonna end up um, putting, you know, getting six more arrows, that's another 50, 60 bucks, something like that. You spent 750, $800 somewhere in there, and I've seen that last kids many years. I've, okay. I've seen it last them until the first one I've sold, they come in to trade it in years later, get back a decent value on the bow. Um, then you're the other guy who buys a $500 bow online, you come in, you pay for me to set it up, you go shoot, uh, let's say I find out that it has a bad limb. And it's like, okay, I'm keeping your bow for th two, three weeks until you know they send me some limbs for it. I throw the new limbs on, all of a sudden, we find that your cable has some bad wear on it because you know before when it was shot with the bad cam, Lino was rubbing against your cam. Then I gotta order you strings for it. And once I put the new strings on it, you find out there's a squeak in your limb pockets after you know X amount of shots. Mm -hmm. You might get out the door, I mean, it, you might get out the door just fine or you might end up putting $700 into it and having a horrible time shooting archery because every time you get in a groove something goes wrong with your bow you got to leave it at the shop yeah um, so that there is consider those two perspectives um, I'm not going to turn anybody away that comes in with a bear cruiser or anything like that um, but yeah, we're going to do our best to get you go up and running but understand that it's going to take a lot sometimes or it may not yeah, that's a, you're run, you're running the risk when you buy online. You're running it's it's a gamble. Mm -hmm. um, and I will say, Bear, thank you that you are one of the. Well, I don't know, I don't know if necessarily thank you, but Bear is one of those companies that will honor a warranty if you buy it online. Um, so that is pretty nice that they do that. They're not going to charge you for a new set of limbs after you bought something online. Yeah. So take that for what it's worth. I don't know if that's a. It's probably a good thing, but. Um, yeah, so I just saw that off of Archery Talk. That was the first thing, and immediately that gets me going because everybody's like, why don't you just have any cheaper bows? It's like, because most of the time, they don't work. Yeah, they're not worth the amount of work they take to get going. Yep. Same thing as why I don't pay for tuning it to your hand. It's because like, it's not worth it on the grand scheme of things. Mm -hmm. There's too much time and effort um, to the point where I'd be losing money rather than, than getting money. Yeah, and we offer that in an appointment where you come in and get everything tuned to your hand and we spend the time with you to get it up and running. And those are booked in a way that we can devote the hour to you 
to get everything perfect. So like, you know, basic drop-off tune, then you have your appointment. So that's how we work it here. Um, next one we probably see the most kind of stuff with would be like arrow tuning, arrow building, that kind of stuff. So again, normally you come in, you want to buy arrows, pick out your spine of your arrow, we'll know, you know, kind of the length of the arrow you want, we cut the arrow, glue the inserts in, you're ready to rock, right? Um, you see some stuff online where people expect arrows to be squared, spine aligned, spine tested, spun on an arrow spinner and cut the best section out of it, right? As part of that process. That's not gonna happen on a walk in the door, like by arrow kind of thing. Like I, I do that to my arrows sometimes. Sometimes I just cut them off and run them. We will square the insert end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That like once we're cutable, we'll, we'll just run it through the ASD. Just, yeah, just yeah, yeah. But like a lot of guys are, you know, you read this stuff where guys are like, "All right, I need my arrows shot bare shaft so they can clock, and then I need them fletched in that specific direction. I need, you know, the shaft spun so that we're cutting the straightest section out of it, and like that takes a ridiculous amount of time to do." Um, and I think really if you, like, I feel like that's part of the process for like even a customer to do. Um, you know, it's just like one of those things that like you read all this stuff and it's like, so I've done it. I took out of the box fletched black labels and I've shot them out to a hundred yards. I just literally cut them on the saw, squared the front, glued them up and ran them. And then I took hunters, which are the same arrows squared them both ends cut them did all the you know everything to them didn't really notice a huge huge difference in accuracy so it's just like it's one of those things where it's like you read the stuff online how much does it really matter um you know it's you know to steal an expression from snyder it's you know you're picking fly shit out of chili here um anything on that are you gonna i had something for a second but then i just had a vision of Picking flash it out of trip. I just okay. All right, oh. all right. So we're gonna. Oh yeah. Okay, Luke's gonna go. I'm gonna scroll for something else. I, I like. I'm curious about the fanboy one. <laughs> I'm just. Oh. Did you see, did you already read that one? No, I missed it. It says something about what's up with these archery fanboys. I actually oh. know a guy that has a John Dudley tattoo on his foot. So it's really, I know a guy too. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> it just made me curious. It's probably nothing. Yeah. Um. Find out know your pro shop that's like i can't i can't stress that enough find out what is on and off the reservation what is on and off menu don't assume that they're going to do a bunch of things for you don't assume that they're not going to do a bunch of things for you get to know them figure out where that line is yeah. if you want to go off the reservation if you want to go off the menu you're going to either get denied or incur some some extra cost yeah. so just make sure you keep that in mind on um, that that just because pro shop guy says this about his pro shop doesn't mean this pro shop guy is going to do that for you so don't go in assuming that every pro shop has the same way of going through business it's just like any other business there's different ways of going about it yeah and basically this guy was just kind of in our boat with like seeing all the hate and like fanboys yelling about everything else so yeah that yeah i, I like that guy um
Do, 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 do. Everybody's excited about the SS34. Everybody's mad at Matthews. Um, oh, here we go. This this should be good. Mechanicals versus <laughs> mechanicals versus fixed blades. Da da da. Uh, yeah, I have lots of opinions on this. I don't know if anybody cares, but I've got them. <laughs> uh, if you look in my hunting compound bow quiver, you will see both. I think if you have your bow tuned right, I think a fixed blade is an awesome option. But I also really like a mechanical. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with either. I mean, newsflash, I... They here we're killing whitetail. I mean, out west they kill elk with them all the time. It's not a big deal. Understand the limitations of your setup. If you're shooting a fixed blade, you're gonna have a little more room for error. But if you're shooting a big giant mechanical, you're gonna have a lot of room for error the other way. Like if I if I screw up and I make a bad shot on a deer and it's back. I would much rather have a two-inch cut mechanical going through liver and guts, you know, locking into a cut, right? I mean, granted, I would much rather put a heart shot on every animal I ever shoot from now forward and never have an animal last more than seconds. We don't live in a perfect world, unfortunately, and that's where my issue with a fixed blade comes in when everybody is recommending a one-inch cut, two-blade fixed broadhead. Because if you put that in a bad place, I think it's going to just prolong suffering and all that kind of stuff, right? Um, granted, trad bows that we hunt with too, those are all fixed, of course. Um, so yeah, I think there's a time and place for both, depending on where you hunt and how you hunt. Anything? Yeah, I would agree. Um, this this is a pretty... This is especially a lot of like older guys. Like You'll see a lot of older guys be very adamant about fixed blades are the only way to go um and then you'll, you'll you'll see some people who um appreciate how fantastic mechanicals are i i would say as far as looking at your experiences with broadheads and my experiences of talking to customers with broadheads stop taking bad shots on deer be patient be disciplined oh my gosh some yeah. of the time and it's funny because you'll you'll be able to walk I've been able to walk customers back before. They're like, oh, I shot this broadhead and you know, it, the penetration sucked. And I'm like, okay, like, was the animal alert? He's like, well, he, you know, no, it was, it was perfectly fine. He didn't see me coming or anything like that. Uh, it was at 30 yards and then all of a sudden as the conversation goes, it's, he's at 35 now, then he's at 50. Now he's alert and at 50 yards and he shot him quartering two, but he shot him far back. So right in the, like, as soon as you make a bad shot on an animal, don't let that ruin your experience with that head. If you make a bad shot on an animal, now you can you can you can test for st stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Like you you can test for those fringe shots, but don't plan on making those fringe shots. So like for me, and I don't see a lot of people holding to this. The way that I was raised in hunting is that if you don't have a broadside or a quartering away shot with a calm deer then you don't have a shot um granted that's that's pretty extreme one way so if you're if you would argue with me on that i would say okay that's fine there's there's 
definitely a valid side to that. Like you could take quartering two shots. Um, so I've seen people take full frontals, like stuff like that. Like though, okay, if if that's what you want to do, that's what you can do. I have had one failure in my life, and I've killed I don't know, maybe a hundred animals before, like a hundred big game animals. My one failure was before I even started working on bows. Um, my knock broke off. I got two inches of penetration on an impala, and you know I was so green I didn't even know that your knock could be broken. I take broadside shots, I take quartering away shots at calm animals, and I have not had any issues with anything. So keep that in mind before you start ragging on fixed blades, mechanicals, anything like that. If you took a marginal shot, don't let that sour your experience one way or the other. Don't be um, second guessing you know, your arrow build, stuff like that, if you take a marginal shot, you know, w within reason. Um, so like I talked to, um, had a great conversation with one of my customers, Mark, the other day. Uh, this dude is a 30-inch draw. He's shot 80-pound bows since he was five or something like he's that. A, he's a monster. <laughs> but um, pretty sure this dude could walk out like, a, you know, a 300-pound deer on his shoulders. He believes what I believe as far as you don't have a shot, you know, exactly what I just said, um, with the exception of sometimes he does take shoulder shots, but he's prepared for those shoulder shots. Um, personally, I'm still, like, that's not something I would do, um, but he has the kinetic energy, he has the experience to know that he's going to be able to get the job done with that. So don't, don't be, especially if you're new, I can see, like, a lot of people, they see a big buck for the first time in the woods, they're freaking out, they get, they pull their bow back, just, ah, oh, I got to send an arrow at him. Don't be doing that. You're going to get horrible, you're going to get horrible results that way. You might get lucky, but more than likely you're going to wound an animal. You're going to spend the next three days tracking it. You're going to have that horrible feeling in your stomach. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't really go away. Yeah, I had to pass the biggest deer I've ever had an opportunity to shoot this year because of those situations. I had a mechanical knocked. It was 50 yards. And between me and him, it looked like there was brush in the way. I got to full draw and I'm looking at the brush and thinking about how I could celebrate this amazing trophy that I, you know, biggest deer I've ever seen on the hoof and I'm so excited. And at the end of the day, I let down knowing that I had an opportunity to catch that brush with a mechanical broadhead, flip it open and hit that deer somewhere maybe <clears throat> and hurt it and wound it and then have to deal with the you know my like mental anxiety and like just not not wanting to be in that situation I just let down and just appreciated the deer for what it was and let it walk by um now this is where the uh the guy shooting the heavy arrows it's a little more interesting to me um there's a guy Jared maybe is his first name I can't remember he's uh like Whitetail Solutions Whitetail Addiction I don't one of those like online guys right he has a whatever a youtube channel and stuff and he talks about he shoots a heavy enough arrow with enough weight pull to where it doesn't matter to him which direction the deer is facing he just shoots for the vitals now like i don't know that i would want to test his theory and i haven't watched his videos yet i've bookmarked them and just haven't had a chance to go in and see like what kind of shots he's getting but he likes to hunt from the ground and shoot big deer, and it's interesting. That's all I'm gonna say. Like, 
it's interesting. So he's, you know, close shots. I want to say his arrow is 700 grains or something like that. And he's shooting a single bevel, like, grizzly stick setup, I believe. Um, so if you're prepared, you know, ethics are yours. They're, like, it's, I'm not going to, I'm not here to tell you what to do. But, like, think about before you release an arrow when you're in the woods, when you're at that time when you're looking for the deer and waiting for the deer to come through. Think about your possibilities of where a deer could come from, what your shot may be. Have a plan in your head and like be like, if the deer is like this, it's not worth the shot. If the deer is like this, that's a great shot and I know I can make that shot. And like have the confidence in your setup to have the confidence in your shot. Yeah. That's kind of where I'm at on all this. I think there's a lot of misinformation online and this guy could be, could have horrible information. But I just haven't had time to read his stuff yet, so we'll see. Um, listen to him talk, it was, I mean, I was definitely ears perked up because I'm like, that would be cool. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I don't, I also don't want to deal with the uh, two-day tracking job and having to deal with coyotes getting there first and all that kind of stuff, right? Because at the end of the day, I'd really like the meat in the freezer more than I'd like the, the horns on the wall. So, um so yeah, uh, that's probably enough of that nonsense. Uh, another one that I don't know why it keeps popping up and it doesn't make sense to me is uh, <clears throat> the guy that brings in a, or has a 70 pound bow that's pulling 67 pounds and his bow shop telling him they can't do anything about it. I don't understand why they can't twist the cables up, which they should be able to do. And like there's, been four five threads i've seen in the last month about this um so yeah uh just twist the cables up i don't get it could you think of a reason why they couldn't get it the poundage up um so it's not it's not beyond manufacturers to send lemons to some degree yeah if it's a standard if, if everything's in spec I could see a less experienced pro shop not wanting to do it because when you throw a bow out of spec, yeah, it can lead to other issues. Um, that being said, just get familiar with them. It's really an easy fix. Yeah. Like especially if your bow's out of spec, if it's got a long ATA and a short brace and you're low on poundage, oh, that's the solution. Just twist the cables up. Yeah, if they um, looked at your bow and didn't take a tape measure to it and just told you they couldn't do it, that's that's where I'm curious. I don't. Like, they, the guy didn't provide any more information about the thing, so I was just, that's, yeah. and I've seen a lot of that, so I'm just kind of curious. Yeah, I mean, so, like, I can only speak for, like, us here, like, that, that's the first thing I would do, is I would check up your bows and spec, uh, then I would look at your cables and see if, if typically speaking, you can get about three pounds of, of float on your cables before you need to just short string or short cable, whatever you gotta do. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, that's an easy fix, and that's the thing, like, if you go into a shop and you start, you know, like, well, you should be able to do this. And the, maybe the guy already did check the spec. Maybe he was getting with the manufacturer to see if, you know, they had possibly sent like a, a set of weak limbs because that does happen yeah. too. So, you know, if, if everything is fine, yeah, twist up the cables. You'll be able to get those three pounds back. But something else could be going on. That's the thing with bows. There's so many moving parts that, you know, you never know exactly what the issue is just because it was the solution for this guy doesn't mean the solution for you. Um, but yeah, if everything's standard, it's an easy fix. Yeah, and that's something you could bring up with your tech. I mean, if he tells you that, you know, 
don't go home and blast the shop online maybe just ask him why you know just be like hey is like is there a reason that we can't do that and then i'm sure hopefully he would have an explanation as to why he couldn't do it right then and there um so yeah again here i feel like we keep harping back to just communication between you and your technician yeah because too with that then so like for example if you got a qad and you come in and your poundage is low and you want me to do it right on the spot and i'm slammed i'm gonna i'm gonna like realistically i mean a perfect world an appointment for everything that would solve everybody's issues yeah. to just set up an appointment but of course you don't want to spend 75 dollars for an hour if it's just something quick in this example so there's a saying in archery where it's uh, in being an archery technician where if you change anything you change everything mm -hmm. as soon as i change change your cables you get your poundage back up then that qed cord's wrapped around um then i gotta you know take it out of the, take it out gotta put it back in underneath the serving which probably not a big issue and then it could be a little bit short so you'd have to replace the cord too theoretically yeah so so different stuff can like uncover bigger issues like the most popular one that we see here is hey can i get a new d-loop cut your d-loop off your center serving is separated, separated as heck yeah. again if i'm slow i'm gonna do it right there if not i'm gonna want you to drop it off but so like so like there's always like little nuances to consider i'm not saying that they are the rule but they very well could be the exception of the rule so so anytime you change any little thing, especially because when you're changing the length of your cables, then you're going to change your rest timing. So like there, there's always like little things to consider. Um, don't necessarily think the tech's just blowing smoke up your butt to get more money out of you. Because from from what I've seen, that is <laughs> you're in the wrong industry if you're in this to just to get make, money out to of make people. money. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's a good chance whoever's behind the counter loves what they do or loved it at one point and has just been beaten down by yeah. <laughs> by customers on the internet or whatever yeah so yeah so tr trust them um yeah I, I agree all right so i've got at least one more but i think this one is going to be like a, a luke rant or tirade another one or <laughs> uh i'm not sure yet so i'm just going to wind them up give them a topic and send them out your guys's way so luke how do you feel about cheap crossbows <laughs> um, I think they're I think they're absolute garbage, and I apologize to you if you have bought one from us uh, the first year that we were open. Uh, I will continue my customer service that I do, you know, as best as I possibly can. Um, but I will not sell them anymore. I'm talking about anything that costs you anywhere from three hundred to $500 more or less is a cheap compound crossbow that's fast especially putting out 400 foot a second putting out 380 putting out high foot per seconds on a cheap crossbow um okay it, same thing with everything in archery there's a place for it if you know what you're getting into cool if you are going on an elk hunt and you just blew up your compound and you don't trust yourself to you know get a okay shoot i don't even know i don't even know if i'd get a cheap crossbow for that. it's so hard to justify this let's say it's some less big of a deal thing like your cousin's coming in from out of town and you guys are going hunting and you just need something quick and you're going to the whitetail woods yeah you just bought a three to four year maximum bow yeah let me say that again. If you spend four hundred dollars on a crossbow, that's a lot of money. I'm not saying that's I'm not saying that's chump change. I mean, we, anybody that spends money here, I appreciate it. If it's ten bucks or if it's you know two thousand dollars, you bought a temporary bow. Mm -hmm. 
if you are putting a, so I, I was talking to a rep uh, who will remain unnamed who sells these. And when we were speaking, somebody said a cheap crossbow, <coughs> Barnett, on the counter. And we were talking about crossbows and I told him, I'm like, I'm a firm believer that I will never sell those ever again. I never sold the Barnett's, their customer services, not from what I hear, not, I mean, from my experience, it's been terrible. But I told him, I'm like, I will never sell those bows again. I will never sell that $400 price point crossbow again. And I'm telling you, I made a lot of money on these bows. I bought 40 of them. I sold 40 of them. Like yeah. it, it was one of the best, most consistent, quick turnovers possible. Um, timing issues from the factory. Just assume that they're there. Assume that you're going to have to fix the timing on every single one of them. Not a big deal. Um, expect that timing to go out of time after not very many shots because the strings are garbage. Then all of a sudden the rail is going to start wearing a groove into your arrows. Who's responsible for that? Am I going to bother the manufacturer to send you new arrows? Or with the good customer service that I think that we have here, I'm just going to give you an arrow. And then the next guy an arrow. And then all 50 of these people come in because that's a very common issue with these things. Um, you know, what, that, that, that's an issue. But then it goes way beyond that. If that was where it stopped, okay, cool. Then you got limb issues where one limb's overpowered. You know, you got the issue of where you shoot out a string. So let me, let me put this into perspective. An IBO weighted arrow for a compound bow, if you're shooting a 70 pound compound, is Five. 350 grains, which is a very light arrow. They say any manufacturer is going to tell you that if you're shooting a 300 grain arrow of a 70 pound bow, you voided the warranty because all of that energy has got to go somewhere. If it doesn't go into the arrow, it goes into your strings, your cams, your limbs, your limb pockets, everything, everything on the bow. You take a 200 pound crossbow, a 150 pound crossbow, a 250 pound crossbow, and you're shooting a 500 grain arrow, you are dry firing that every single time that you shoot it, no matter what. You can say, in order to shoot that properly, what is that? Math real quick. 200, 200 times five, that's a thousand. Nobody's shooting a thousand grain bolt out of a 200 pound crossbow. Most 20 inch bolts with, a, with 125 <laughs> grain broadhead are 440 grains. So know what you're getting into. I, I see it, it always happens you buy that cheap crossbow you come back all pissed off four years later because the limbs broke and i'm like wow you got four years out of that that's not mm -hmm. bad that doesn't mean i'm not going to try to warranty it so like for example like i just had somebody come in and do that with the crossbow that they bought off me their limbs broke um i was like okay cool like you got three four years out of it i called bear got him warrantied put him back on it um and I'm pretty sure it happened again. Like it, his limbs just cracked again. So it's like, okay, now you need a new string for that thing because clearly the string is not absorbing any of the impact. Anyway, cheap components and high performance do not mix. Yes. If you want a super fast crossbow, go to a Raven, go to a 10 point, go to somebody with good customer service Yeah. because those things, I mean, they're, they're, they're insane. They're bombs. They're, pretty much. If, if something goes the littlest bit wrong, I've seen people shoot the Raven the, you know the crank it's that carriage that sits down on the rail comes up i've seen him be cranking that thing all of a sudden the, the belt breaks blows up the whole front end of the bow <laughs> like stuff like that is just like that that happens when you're shooting those insanely fast uh crossbows i'm a firm believer of the excalibur brand i don't carry much crossbows here i, I work on crossbows i know how to do them they function this, the same as a compound in almost every way um but i i don't i will never sell any 
I don't know. I don't want to say I'll never sell the high end fast crossbows, but yeah, because they are kind of cool. The new they they're cool. That, yeah, it's kind of cool. I think they're cool. They're they're pretty cool. Yeah, but not the cheap ones. Yeah, so that was fun. If you want a cheap crossbow, they're being made from three companies over in China. Mm-hmm. Three different companies. That's it. All of them. I'm talking Carbon Express, Bear, PSE. I'm talking. Um, Killer Instinct. Killer, any of those, if they're a cheap crossbow, it's a representative from your company going over there being like, I want this stock, I want this riser, I want this, you know, scope. Boom, put it together. There's nothing new, and they're not, they're not made to last. In my opinion, we should have never evolved past the Hortons. The old Hortons. Dude, those things are, they're, they're amazing. <laughs> they're awesome 30-yard machines. <laughs> 30 yards and in, they're reliable. I still mm-hmm. see people shooting them with 15-year-old strings. Do not recommend that, by the way. Do not <laughs> replace your strings every four years at a minimum. Um, but, uh, yeah, don't, n- know, know what you're getting into. Um, if you want to spend a lot of, or if you want a really fast bow, be ready to spend a lot of money. If you're okay with just getting something that's going to get you deer within 20, 30 yards, which covers most people, yeah, go to that $700 mark. Get, get an Excalibur, something that's just very simple, very hard to break. Um, something with great customer service. For me, that, that seems to be the way to go. So, yeah. All right. So I got I got one more, and this has already been probably way, 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 way too long. And I just want to dabble into this one quickly, but it's 2023's the year of basically awesome bows. <clears throat> and we've talked about it a little bit already. Um, and we are coming off our one bow challenge thing. And there are a lot of really cool bows coming out this year. Um, and honestly, not just from the brands we sell, like there's just a lot of cool stuff coming out this year. And I don't know if it's just like maybe the COVID shutdown, like they just had all these ideas stored up and they're just now implementing them. I'm not sure what happened, but like in the past few years, it's been like, nah, there's new bows coming out. Cool. This year it's like, there's new bows coming out rad. Um, the you know a lot of people you know i'll i'll be the first to not be a huge matthews person or a white person but like if you people are saying like oh they haven't done anything it's the same boat it's the same cam but like they're like taking a refined like once you have a refined product you can only refine it so much um and then like you look at the pse the mach 34 that thing's gonna be Rad! I can't wait till my Mossy Oak 70 comes in PSE. Please, please ship it faster. Um, you know, then we have the Bowtech lineup. Like, and the whole lineup, yeah, the CP30 is basically a CP28, only a little bit bigger. Um, but the 34SS is awesome. Like, I was not excited about that bow till I shot that bow. Like, that long riser, it full draw, it just literally sits there. Like, I'm really excited to get the SX80. And uh, shoot some 3D really far away with that. Um, the Reckoning, the Gen 2 Reckoning, it's my old Reckonings that I've had in the past, only better and more adjustable and more things that I can screw up and not be able to hit a target because I've played with them too many times. Um, like, it's just, everything is cool. Like, the Omnia, like, while I'm not a huge Elite Draw fan person, 
or draw cycle fan person like that bow is literally dead like it doesn't make sense that like you can release energy from a fired bow and there not be anything it's like literally the opposite experience of shooting a crossbow um so that's gonna be cool and then elite's other bow that's dropping that they keep you know they're doing the carbon bow thing and it's it's all over the internet so like you can find it um well i haven't seen a picture of it yet i'm excited for that i don't even know why i don't even like elite that much um so yeah it's gonna be an awesome year like i'm gonna have so many bows i can't wait to play with i'm probably not gonna shoot any of them very well but it's gonna be awesome <laughs> I'm with you, man. So this this is where I wish everybody, most of our customers, just a hunting bow, that's it. I wish so badly target bows were more popular because that Gen 2 Reckoning is the most technologically advanced, amazing piece of machinery that I have ever seen a bow company come out with. As far as tunability, adjustability, fitment, they've literally thought of everything. The little grip adjuster thing. Dude, like... <laughs> Poor Tim Gillingham is not going to be able to go on his next like crazy goat hunt or something because they're going to put his grip company out of business. But good thing many people still shoot bow companies that don't do that. Yeah. Like yeah. Matthews and every, you know, um, holy crap. I can't say enough good things. If you've, if you've been considering getting into target, get into target just because of that bow. Learn how to work on your own crap. Sorry, that sounded brutal. <laughs> learn how to work on your own crap. If you're going to get into target shooting, it's a very helpful skill. Yeah. Come to us if you want to learn. Well, that and the verdict. The verdict is oh yeah that that too daily verdict that's true I didn't give that one enough attention because it got it released out. early and it just kind of blew by yeah, yeah yeah but oh my gosh that reckoning thirty six especially even if you're a long draw dude get that thing for hunting that is that is the sickest bow oh, I have yeah. ever seen shot in my life yeah um, it's not a great hunting bow for if you're a shorter guy I did not like the way it felt on short with short bars yeah but but, but as then far again, as I'm not six bows, four so. Yeah, the Carbon 1, like the Mach 30, like, dude, there's so much stuff coming now. And I have a feeling PSE is going to drop something else. They normally drop something at ATA. Yeah, they will. So there's just a lot of stuff coming out right now that is awesome. So, like, don't be so negative, man. Embrace all this awesome stuff that we get to play with this time. You know, go to your local shops. Shoot some of this stuff. Um, you know, like, especially on slow days here, if you want to try, you know, even if you don't, you don't, you know, you're so super happy with your Halon 6 or your NXT or, you know, your Cure or whatever bow you have that you're super happy with, it never hurts to see what's out there, right? A lot of the times it hurts it, your wallet. It's going to hurt your wallet, yeah. Um, but, you know, you, everybody needs a backup bow, so you keep that cure set up for hunting and you get a new Omnia or you get the new Elite Carbon Bow or whatever whatever you like. Or trade it in. Yeah, or trade it in. Put it on our used wall. We like used bows. Um, so, yeah, just quit being so negative. Enjoy all this stuff coming out this year. And uh, we appreciate you guys tuning in and listening, even though I'm sure that was, oh, my God, over an hour of rambling. Was uh, that really? Oh, because I, I took a break. Yeah, I took a pee break. So, uh, so yeah, uh, as you can tell, like we could do this all day and like, if you guys are interested, we can keep doing it. Um, you know, comment, give us questions, like subscribe, all that nonsense. Um, but yeah, we're going to like really try to pour the like fire to the coals this winter with the YouTube and the podcast and just, you know, give you our point of view, like. I feel like a very kind of middle of the road guy in the archery 
world that I'm in, um, which, you know, average Joe kind of thing right here. So hopefully we can uh, help explain some stuff. And like I said, if you have questions about something you've read or seen a video about and you want a little more in-depth explanation, I kind of feel like that may be our little niche to kind of like help you a little bit more when you hear a term that you need explained. Yep. Um, anything else? Yeah, if you're, uh, thank you for your comments on these videos and stuff. I will do my best to get to them. Um, that being said, I'm not gonna, I can't go back and answer all the comments that I've got in our hiatus from YouTube. I saw a bunch of them, I appreciate them, but there's so many that I can't really break them down. Uh, if you got a good comment, I will respond to everything that I possibly can, or I will talk about it in the next video. Yeah. So if you got a genuine question up here, I would say there's no bad questions, but I've seen I've seen bad questions. There's bad questions. So, yeah. you know, I'd love to, I'd love to answer it. If you want Joe's opinion on something, I'll, I'll have him swing over the computer and, and respond to it. Um, but I, I, it's not my thing. The, the reason, one of the reasons it's been so long between our YouTube videos is that I'm just not a tech person. Like I, I don't like being on my computer all the time. I don't like constantly scrolling through YouTube just because my personality, I'll, I'll go way too into it, you know, whatever, but that's neither here nor there. Um, so be patient with me. I'm going to try to answer every everything that I can. Uh, but I do appreciate it. Keep sending the comments. Uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, just especially the new customers that we've got from the YouTube videos. That's awesome. We've yeah. had some really awesome customers. Just it's really weird to be coming out of your hunting spot in the dark and talk to a guy and he recognizes your voice. That was a little bit weird, but it was awesome. So it was appreciated. Yeah. So we appreciate you guys tuning in. Thank you so much. Uh, for your time, and we will see you next time. Thank you, guys.